You are listening to the Fantasy Joes Podcast, your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on Dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Trey Barrett, Will Greenwood, and Ryan Livergood. All right, the Fantasy Joes are live. It's a drafter party, part two. We got a lot to talk about. The draft is over. And we're not really sure what to do. We'll be honest with you. I don't, we'll see. Hey, we're going to talk. We're going to do a rookie mock draft here. Um, but let me introduce myself. I'm Ryan Livergood at Roto Librarian, one of the three Fantasy Joes. We also got Trey Barrett. How are you, Trey? Doing well, man. Doing well. Always, always happy to join you guys. I think I'm a little more excited about tonight's conversation um, than, than I even was after round one. This is, this is going to be a lot of fun. There's a, a lot of a lot of guys to talk about. A lot of guys to talk about. A lot of things to talk about. Right, Will Greenwood, how you feeling, Will? Good. So many, so many guys to talk about tonight. I wrote up my preliminary, like, Superflex rookie rankings for this, trying to, you know, give it, just give it, like, the first go. One, it's really hard not to overthink things on every single pick. I ended up diving into uh, Daryl Bevel's history with tight ends for, like, a half hour. <laughs> terrible idea. That's great. And Kyle Richardson joins us. What's up, Kyle? How you doing? I'm doing all right, fellas. How are you? I didn't do my hair or anything tonight. I hope that's okay that I'm not all pretty like normal. <laughs> that, that's that's fine. That, <laughs> for those who watch this in podcast version, we can assure you Kyle looks very pretty tonight. That's right. Just because you're sporting hat and glasses doesn't mean you don't look pretty. So. Um, we'll say with our, the better hairdo, yes, you do look nicer, but you're not bad tonight. You know, that's just not. So I don't even know where to begin. I will say that my introduction to day two of the draft, since we've, we've recorded, I had an event at my library on, on Friday night, um, a fundraising event. And so I was kind of checking in, but wasn't really able to focus. So then after that was over, I got home late and then I looked at what happened day two and it just, just kind of blew my mind. I can't even imagine what it was like for you that were following it live and some disappointing landing spots. I think like guys like AJ Brown that we were so high on in the dynasty community goes to the Tennessee Titans, which, you know, theoretically is a horrible landing spot and, you know, some surprises with, um, you know, who team, what teams picked certain players, what teams didn't pick, you know, Tampa Bay. Have they, I th- they did eventually take a running back or they signed an undrafted free agent, I think. They signed uh, Bruce Anderson, right? So, you know, teams like that, like the Colts didn't take a running back as far as I can remember. I'm still, still getting caught up, frankly. Maybe they signed somebody. So there's, there's so much just to dissect here. Um, so many things we thought might happen in this draft didn't. So what are your general thoughts? I mean, what, what's, what are your takeaways? Kyle, why don't, why don't you go first? What's your takeaway from this draft? What, 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 are, what are your thoughts? Like initial thoughts going into the rookie drafts. What are you thinking? Uh, my thoughts are I hate 2019 and <laughs> I'm over it already. Uh, there was a lot of things that happened that I did not expect. Um, there was a lot of things that happened that caught me completely off guard Uh, Jake and I were live streaming the first round and uh, like even in the middle of like towards the end of it like I went on this not really a rant but really like this just response to the people who were commenting about things that we had gotten wrong and I just said it's exactly like fantasy football like we're taking a look at mock drafts we're watching video we're doing all these things all off season long and it's always the process doesn't meet the outcome and when you see a lot of these picks that are just like where did those come from it just, it's a defeating feeling sometimes to say, oh my gosh, I completely whiffed on that. What happened? I thought I had that locked in, but it was definitely an odd one from start to finish. 
Well, it's hard to really actually predict, accurately predict the draft anyway because there's there are 32 right. teams. Many of them want the same players, and that's, you know, if there's a running back tier, for example, that goes off the board, maybe they just decide, okay, it's not worth us to take a running back in the next tier. There's other guys we want to go after. So it's complicated. It's it's not fair to criticize anybody about draft predictions, in my opinion. And generally speaking, I think people that analyze the draft do a really darn good job with the information they have. Will Greenwood, what what do you think? What are your what's your takeaway from? the 2019 NFL draft as it applies to dynasty rookie drafts that are coming up. Uh, so I think the funny with the first round, I feel like that was the, the round that went kind of chalky overall. There weren't as many receivers that close to like the Vegas over under, I think it was like, was it two and a half or three and a half for that. Um, but I didn't think there were big surprises on the skill position fantasy players in the first round that some people slipped, but I think that second and third round uh, really shocked everybody. I mean, how, how could, I mean, if you, had predicted that you're doing the wrong thing and you need to work in the NFL. Uh, so I've been very surprised. I think the one thing that I've taken away so far, and it was actually said on the Dan Patrick show, is that uh, it's Steve Kimes, right? He's the general manager for the Cardinals. He should be fired. He's horrible. That's not to not know <laughs> that you're going to be taking, you know, uh, Kyler Murray at the 101 and trade Josh Rosen before he's so far devalued is, you should, I mean, you should have known that a while ago. And then to open that up so late and then, trade for a mid-second and uh you know I guess in, in that whole scenario I just think that's that's what makes me worried about Hakeem Butler um uh, is that like going to that franchise but I think they have a good core of offensive talent but anyway I do agree I think like that a move like that where you're now taking an asset and you got like the like almost a minimal amount for it is just awful the whole rest of the draft picks everything like that except for the first round I'm just uh baffled by it's just weird that Arizona didn't know they were going to do – allegedly. I mean, it's, it seems like they had to know they were going to do that. But if it's true that they didn't know that they were going to take Kyler Murray until the last day, that's just – I don't know. It seems like a bad process to me. Uh, Trey Barrett, what about you? What, what are your thoughts on this 2019 NFL draft and, and implications for Dynasty Leagues? Well, I, I've got a lot of thoughts that will come out throughout the show tonight, but – probably one of the things we won't dive into as much rather than talk about players that were drafted was, you know, everyone's kind of talking about how they're down on this rookie class, which I understand. And I'm not here to completely argue that fact, but um, some, some really interesting and I think potentially impactful um, undrafted free agents that are signing, Um, you know, guys like James Williams, that signed in Kansas city, Bruce Anderson, who signed in Tampa Bay, um, Penny Hart and Preston Williams, which obviously we know Preston Williams, um, went undrafted likely because of his, um, off the field issues, especially in light of the, the recent Tyree kill stuff. Cause I, I believe it, it was a domestic assault scenario with, with Preston Williams, but you know, he, he's a guy that, you know, you're talking about probably first or second round talent, without the off the field stuff. So just some, some really interesting and, and quite uh, potentially impactful guys slipping through, not even being drafted. Um, so anyway, I, I think that uh, a lot of guys to talk about, I, I think that there's going to be some very flat, very large tiers in this rookie class. I don't think that, you know, you have um, huge drop-offs, although there, there is one particular, you know, after you get past the top tier, which will, probably discuss how big that is tonight for each of us. But I think that top tier, there's a pretty big drop-off, but some, re- some, some real flatness to this 
um, rookie class through the first couple rounds. I looked up. I looked up quickly, Trey. Last time when you talked about T.J. Hawkinson being a benefit for Ken Johnson, I looked up Daryl Bevel. This is that little rabbit hole I went down today. Uh, the one thing I noticed about him is he one has almost always had a star running back in his backfield, and he loves to ride them. So I think we're going to see Kerryon Johnson either blow up with a really good season, uh, at least with touches wise, or if he if he can't hold up, that would be the only caveat. But I, I'm. Uh, Pretty excited for that after, after looking back at the, the past and just seeing his track record. Because you can't always do that with coaches. Because the other one uh, that looking at it was, was the Titans. Because it's like, okay, A.J. Brown, how do you get more excited about A.J. Brown about landing with the Titans? And I couldn't really convince myself of it unless Ryan Tannehill is the quarterback. Because <laughs> then maybe they can throw for over 4,000 yards. You know, like, have, uh, I'm mostly kidding there. But anyway, their offensive coordinator came as a defensive, I think, uh, player analyst in the Titans in 2010, and it's grown up mainly on the defensive side of the ball. So, anyway, super interested. Oh, yeah, I had to put my shades on. The future for Karrion <laughs> is so bright. The cream rises to the top. I, 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 Paul Pertichese, welcome to the Fancy Joe Circus, uh, starring Trey Barrett as much of Randy Savage, I suppose. <laughs> Guys, good. <laughs> Glad to be back. Uh, obviously, a lot has transpired since I saw you guys uh, late night on Thursday. A lot of players, uh, different landing spots than maybe we expected. Yeah, that's the truth. Hey, Paul, were there, just since you're, you know, you you spent so much time and you did how many? First of all, how many did you get right at the end of the day? Did you beat last year's tally? I did two oh five out of two fifty four. Nice, excellent. So, so last year was two oh two out of two fifty six. So really, the percentages really were in my favor this year. Uh, so last year was two oh two out of two fifty six. This year was two oh five out of two fifty four. So I didn't know for a while there. You know, every time the Seahawks made a pick, basically, I, I basically was yelling because it was never somebody I had on my list of four hundred at times. <laughs> I was going to ask you, how many player were there any players that were drafted that were just like, I, I don't know who this guy is. How do I know, know who this guy is? Yeah, there was, <laughs> there was uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 people that I did not have any notes on that were drafted. That basically left me scouring to try to find something to put on my tweet about them. Usually just like their height, weight, and their stats, and maybe find something about their game. <laughs> So, uh, what was the earliest pick that was that? <laughs> oh, it was, uh, without a doubt, it was Quentin Williams' brother last night at the end of the third round. I didn't even know he, <laughs> I didn't even know he existed. Like, didn't even, know, didn't even know that Quentin Williams had a brother that was eligible to be in the draft. And sure as hell did not know that he was potentially a top 100 pick. Uh, that's, that's, that's what makes it so interesting, right? So I'm, I, you know, we're gonna do. We got some more more guests joining us here in a little bit. So before they come on, I'm not, I'm not even really sure where to begin. I, I just, well, I guess here's my first question: what, are, what do we do? What's the actionable advice we have for our rookie drafts? If you have early picks, middle, you know, middle round picks, late picks, what are you trying to do, guys? Are you trying to acquire picks? Because the narrative seems to be that this is this down class, and we're disappointed about landing spots. Generally speaking. You know, not not a great running back class in general. So, do we want to? Is there an option to buy rookie picks, or is it no? I mean, you just got to make the best of what you got. What, what's what's the play, Trey, Trey Barrett? What's your play? Well, as a as an acquirer of rookie picks in the past, 
three to five months, especially when they've been ridiculously undervalued in rookie drafts. I, I'm, I'm taking the opportunity to shop some of these rookie picks, um, you know, for, for some guys who I like as buy lows, you know, a guy like Leonard Fournette comes to mind, right? Like if you're, you know, sitting there in the, in the 105, 106 range on the clock and someone's interested in that pick that there are quite a few veterans I'd be interested in buying. I, I like this rookie class. Um, the other thing is I would be looking to trade down and, and I don't know that's something that you want to do right now. I'd wait till you're on the clock because you never know when, you know, Paris Campbell goes at 104 and your 105 all of a sudden is significantly more valuable. Um, but, but I would be looking to trade down and acquire extra picks and acquire future picks. Um, you know, especially when you get to the end of a round, you know, if you're on the clock at 109 and you can trade and there's no one you love there, you can trade that for a 2021st. Um, I think that may be harder to do this year, but man, it's amazing what happens when you are on the clock and someone is there that a guy likes. So, um, I, I'm going to be looking to do a lot of trading down in rookie drafts. Yeah. You never know if you're, if it's a contender, and, you know, they really want DK Metcalf or something. They think, well, I can trade this because it's going to be late in the first in, in 2020. Yeah, it's, it's possible. It's certainly possible. John Bosch, you know a lot about uh, values. You, you do a podcast on it. What, what, how do you value these rookie picks? What's your play going into your rookie drafts? I think John's on mute. Let me see if I can do something about that. Here we go. It's a I classic it. trade I move. I didn't realize you came in on mute here. Sorry about that. Uh, you got me now, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, hearing what Trey said sounds fantastic, trade down. But I actually think, like you said, at the end of that point, it's going to be a lot harder to do. Nobody's going to be – I don't think as many people are going to be very interested in giving up a lot to move up. People are just like, I'll just take whatever guy's there. That's, that's my prediction for the rookie drafts. And I started to do a little bit of tiering today to prepare because I have some that start in about two hours. And I, I honestly, like, it's kind of a mess. So the values are going to be interesting. You can, get, you can get what you want. If you want to move up, I think it'll be a little bit easier. But I don't predict a lot of people wanting to do that, which means it's going to be a whole lot harder to try and move back. Yeah. Other thoughts? Will, what, what are you going to do? Um, well, I think unless somebody comes and gets a couple of them, I think the, in, in a one-quarterback league, my cutoff is basically the top five I, I like and I'm comfortable with taking and, and thinking that they can accrue value. Uh, in Superflex, I'm basically top seven because I'll, I'll put Haskins in there too, I guess, that I'm actually like pretty stoked about. Any, anyone else? Paul, Kyle, you, wanna, you got any thoughts on how you're going to attack these rookie drafts or are you still trying to figure it out? No, I mean, I, I don't think it's a strong draft at all anymore, to be honest with you. I'm going to be looking to get out completely if I could. If I, if I, see, the, if I see the right opportunity for uh, – again, I, I'm a big fan. As much as I love the draft picks and I study these guys year-round, I'm, I'm a big proponent of trading them. And not for older veterans maybe on the backside of their career, but I really like to identify year two or year three guys who I think could potentially break out. And – like I know right now, if I throw an opportunity to maybe like trade like the end late round one or an early round two pick for Dante Pettis, 
I'd probably pull the trigger on it because I'm more excited about a guy like Dante Pettis than what I'm going to get at pick 12 or, you know, early second round. I look at this right now and I see about 10 guys that I'm excited for. And then I see a, another six to eight, depending on the type of league it is. And then I see like after 18, like, I don't want anybody. Like, I, I don't see anybody. I think they're all dart bros at that point. So at that point, then sure, if I'm picking like late second or early third, maybe try to trade down and just get a couple of picks and just kind of throw two darts at the board. But if I can't get a guy in the top 10, I'm probably going to look to try to trade. You know, if I can't get – I would ideally like to get two maybe of guys that I really like. But even those guys, like – I think this is a great opportunity to try to to try to buy guys. You know, maybe somebody's a little nervous about, you know, I know you guys are talking about Carryon Johnson. I missed some of that before, but Carryon Johnson is a guy that I think I expect him to be a guy who's going to break out this year, but there's been a lot of talk, some from him, some from his coaches that they don't want that to him. They don't want to overburden him and give him a lot of touches. So that could maybe potentially scare an owner who has him. So you know, rookie picks always have a lot of pizzazz, especially right after the draft. So if you're sitting there with like pick five or pick six in the first round, I would deal that right now for, for carry on Johnson and wouldn't even think twice of it. And I would throw in a third or a fourth if that's what it took to get right now, because we've already seen him be productive. And even if he is a 16 touch type of player a game, I'll feel more better about that than this rookie class right now. I would love to take Paul's advice, but the only league that I have rookie picks in, I already have carry on Johnson. So that's (laughs) not going to be an option for me, but we were talking about it right before we went live. Like that one league that I have those picks, I've got 1.01, 1.11, and then 2.01 and 2.02. And the only thing that's making me feel comfortable about picking still is the fact that it's an IDP league and it's balanced scoring. So I'm going to have a much larger pool of players to pick from. But for those that are in one QB leagues that don't have IDP like that, I mean, you get to that second round and it's like the really the best case scenario is that you're picking guys that you're hoping hit in the next year or two instead of guys that are going to contribute right away. And I mean, in terms of looking at it, I, I know a lot of people love Josh Jacobs. I like him too, but I still have Nikhil Harry is my 1.01. I'll take him in Dynasty Leagues to start up with, uh, with rookies. And I'm still trying to process a lot of it as well. David Montgomery, I, I ended up liking where he landed. He had a ton of value heading into the combine. He lost a lot of that value. Now it looks like he might gain some of that back. I really like Miles Sanders. I don't love the landing spot, though because it's not going to be a guy I think that you invest in this year and he becomes, you know, that, that contributor right away. I think it might be next year. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. There's the landing spots are real funky this year. It's, it's, it's going to take some, some diving. So hopefully fantasy owners have a little bit and they're not drafting at midnight tonight for their rookie league. If you are, that's great because you're already into it. But <laughs> if you've got some time, try to process everything and take a look at it first. Uh, okay, and, and it, we're still processing too. And really the best way to process this is to do a super flex rookie mock draft. We're going to start that now. We have some other people that may be joining us soon. They might be too depressed over this draft and this rookie draft class to even join us. We'll see. But let's go and get started. I'm going to draw names. We're, we're not going to just randomly have people jump in tonight. So I'm going to draw names. No one knows the order going into this. It looks like Kyle Richardson gets the 101 in a super flex rookie mock draft. That's easy. <laughs> I think that's the only consensus pick there is anywhere this whole year. You just made my night a whole lot easier. 
<laughs> all right, Kyle. Uh, well, who, who are you going to take? I, I think we all know, but let's let's make it official. We're going to go with Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. Let's lock that in. Let's lock them in. Is there anything we, we want to say about Kyler Murray? Obviously, no one's going to say, oh, th- this is crazy. I mean, I just there's no argument for anyone else, is there? Anyone I wish he make- had a better offensive line. I know, they, I know that in free agency they were able to help it out a little bit. I would have liked it if they would have focused some more on the draft. But they got him plenty of weapons. There's going to be plenty of opportunities. He might just be running for his life 50% of the time. So we'll, we'll see. Which isn't yeah. terrible for fantasy. Right. So. <laughs> yep. As long as he gets away and he doesn't get killed, that's good <laughs> <Yes>. for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think there's much more to say about Kyler Murray. One thing I will say, too, I, I think one of the knocks, obviously his size was not coming in. And then there were, some people were talking about his leadership and, and maybe maybe not character issues so much, but but could he lead a team? And I'm convinced he, he can. There was a really good Move the Sticks podcast, Kyler Murray 360. I think it was Bookie Brooks and uh, Daniel Jeremiah that did that podcast. And they talked to his high school coaches and everything. And he's, he exhibits that quiet leadership. And, and I, I, so that's not a concern of mine anymore, if, if that's still a concern for uh, people listening to this. So let's go to the 102, unless anyone else wants to talk about Kyler Murray. We got John Bosch with the 102. Well, this is pretty easy. Uh, I'll go Nikhil Harry here. He is my top wide receiver. I think there is an argument for one other player here, maybe two other players, but for me, it's Nikhil Harry right here. Solid pick. I think probably a, a maybe the safest pick at the 102, you could argue. Um, no, I like it. What, what are the thoughts? Anyone want to debate that, the, the um, Nikhil Harry pick? I mean, for me, he would have probably been uh... – it would have, I would have pivoted to the running back position, but I could totally understand. He's probably a little bit safer, but I probably would have went with the running back. We haven't seen an outside wide receiver besides the one year Brandon Cook was there, uh, you know, really make an impact there besides Randy Moss. Like, you know, Brady, Brady more than ever is all about the short to intermediate. And listen, Nikhil Harry can win in that area for sure. But with the, all the catches that the running backs are going to get, Julian Edelman getting his – and they became a power running team. And if that was even more debatable, taking Damian Harris to add to Sony Michelle, I think he's even proven that. So listen, Brady's still going to throw, but I mean, I just don't know. I don't know the. I don't know if we're going to see many more, you know, three touchdown, three hundred yard games out of Brady. And I think it's going to be a lot of Dinkin and Duncan. I actually think Nikhil Harry's best statistical seasons may come whenever Tom Brady retires. And that's baffling to say for arguably the greatest quarterback ever. I just don't I just don't see Brady really pushing the ball vertically down the field too much. So unless, you know, Nikhil Harry's really gonna make his living in the short to intermediate right now, and I think he's fine there. I just, you know, we've always heard about the Patriots offense and the routes being very hard for young receivers to learn. That I do think there could be a little bit of a learning curve there and Brady kind of relying on the guys he knows well, you know, and the running backs, Edelman, you know, even last year, Philip Dorsett, you know, he's at least in the system. He's not going to put up better stats than the kill Harry. I'm not saying that, but just at times, I think there's going to be games that maybe Harry has that, you know, really good game, but then it could be another game where you see two for 20. Like, I think those games are very much going to be in this year, but again, long-term, I, I see no reason where that's not a, a really solid pick. I think I would probably just go to the running back and, and take what I can get early on. And that's, that's the other, when I said there's an argument to be made, it's 
the running back, going the running back because that value is the one that just, it's going to increase faster. Absolutely. Yep. Overall, I think Harry's the safer pick. So that's what I ended up going with. <laughs> Wait, so, so nobody in Superflex would go Dwayne Haskins 102? That was going to be my question. I would not. Let, let's ask Tyler Gunther with his, his first appearance on the, the Fantasy Joe's podcast. Tyler, how are you this evening? What's up, fellas? I'm doing great. I actually just got back from a birthday party not too long ago. So my mind is all over the place. It, it was for a kid. So, yeah. I'm still kind of winding down from it, but I'm doing great. What a draft to just destroy people's thoughts about it, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's what we were saying for sure. For sure. Yeah, hopefully this exercise will help us figure this out, figure these players out. So uh, at the 101, Kyler Murray went. This is a super flex rookie mock draft. And then at 102, Nikhil Harry. So, you know, thoughts on on – maybe Dwayne Haskins here at the, at the one or two, something you'd entertain me. Yeah, Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would entertain it. I think, I think I'd still probably go Jacobs because Washington is a dumpster fire. I feel like all the time. So I, I feel like I'd probably go with the running back. That is, is probably promised to get 20 touches a game and will probably have his value go up and I bet mid season, John, I know you're a big person on values. I, I think mid season, you'd be able to get Haskins plus for Jacobs because of the fact that Jacobs is a running back and people want running backs on their team. So I actually have Jacobs as my one-on-one in non super flex, but in super flex it's Kyler and then Haskins and lock later on. But yeah, I, I think I'd probably go Jacobs at three. You know, this is a great time to interject. I mean, <clears throat> you hear it all the time, but it just rings so true. This is where it's so important to know your league mates and, and know what the temperature of everyone else is regarding quarterbacks, right? And, you know, Superflex League come in all shapes and sizes, right? Is it 10 teams? Is it 12 teams? Is it 14 teams? Quarterback values change drastically as you go up in size. Um, do quarterbacks score six points for passing touchdowns? Is, are there points for carry and other premiums that boost the scoring of other positions? I mean, so many things. Reflect six-point passing touchdown and quarterbacks are just like impossible to trade for. And I – for a quarterback, you know. And, and so I, I think it's going to vary from league to league, team to team. Um, I don't think it's ridiculous to take Haskins at 102, um, especially – in uh, a league, a super flex league where, where quarterbacks are valued or thought of a little more highly. So just, just know your league. Yeah. Great point. I, I mean, that's so key. And if you haven't started doing that yet, you, you're not doing dynasty correctly. You got to know your league mates, know who they like. Some of them have podcasts. Not all of them do, of course, but you, your league mates might be on Twitter. They're in the chat. You can talk to them, ask them after the draft. Hey, what do you think of this draft? Who do you like? You know, the, they'll give that information to you. So do some research on your league mates. Um, hey, guess what? Tyler, you just joined us and I pulled your name for the 103. So how about that? Perfect. I think you guys already know who I'll probably go with. So yeah. it's Jacobs. Yeah, I, I like Jacobs. And I probably right now would be very tempted to take Jacobs with the 102 as well. Thoughts on Jacobs? Um, is he everyone's first running back off the board? It's close for me. I know people are scared of the Philadelphia situation because – oh, he's just going to be a running back by committee, but I really like that offense. And I love having 
a running back in an explosive offense. I trust Oakland less than I trust Philly. So I kind of want Miles Sanders a little bit more, but I do. Jacobs is going to be most people's uh, number one running back. I'll Sanders. let them have him. And I'll take I'll take Sanders. Second. Sanders has to beat out uh, Corey Clement. You got to remember that. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> not not concerned about that. <laughs> Well, if you look, though, Doug Peterson's done since he's been there, it, it's always been, uh, you know, backfield by committee. There's usually like, like three running backs they put in and out of there. Darren Sproles, has, he hasn't officially retired yet, right? Maybe he's back. So, I, I mean, I, I think maybe long-term Miles Sanders is probably going to emerge. But, I don't know, maybe if you're looking for that spike in value, maybe Jacobs is the way to go. Um, maybe – because I, I, I think that what's going to happen this year with Miles Sanders is I think it's going to be that running back, you know, backfield by committee – I think the Jordan Howard is going to vulture touchdowns at the goal line. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And it'll be interesting to see how people value Sanders. It really will be. I think maybe his value will be all over the board. I think most people really like him, though, at this point. I think we've hyped him up enough. Right, Trey? Yeah. Yeah, man, I think he's a, he's a great running back. I think, you know, the, the landing spot. But, I mean, you know, just a friendly reminder. Landing spots, man, things change, right? I mean, Juju was being undervalued because Antonio Brown was in town, right? And Antonio Brown was going to play till he was 35. And, and now look what's happened. I mean, I, you know, things just change so frequently in, in this, in today's NFL. And obviously I don't have a ton of faith in Gruden and Mayock to turn that thing around, but you, you just never know. I mean, um, except we do know Gruden is going to be there forever because they're paying him a fortune. But, and if you like Sanders that much, more than um, Jacobs and you're on the clock, man. I, I'm sure that someone that's a couple spots down the, down the board would love to come up and grab Jacobs. So that's just one of those great opportunities to, you know, hit up whoever's next on the clock and, you know, see if you can make a swap and pick up a second or. Fortunately, most of mine are auctions. So I'll just go. spend a little bit less money and take Miles Sanders and be okay with it. There you go. I think for me, it depends a lot on my team makeup as well. If I need running back help right away, then I think Jacobs would be the way to go because I think he'll be – like if I'm looking at this from like a redraft standpoint, if I'm looking at 2019 specifically, I think Jacobs will be the guy. But if I'm saying I've got pretty strong running backs, I'm looking for high upside in the future, I'm, I'm good for 2019, then I'm probably taking a shot at Miles Sanders instead because I think after we get out of 2019, looking into the future when – they start to get rid of some of those running backs. That's when he really becomes, I don't want to say bell cow. I don't want to say three down back, but he's the guy that gets the majority of the touches. Other thoughts. Will, I'm curious what you think of, of the running backs. Is Jacobs your number one or is it Sanders? Oh, we, we're, I was just kind of, kind of waiting until some of the picks came up to chat about them. But yeah, I'm going to go Jacobs uh, first overall, just because of draft capital. And I think that offense has a really good chance for improvement. So I think he has a very, very good opportunity to increase value early on. Uh, and then for me, it's, it's easy to have Miles Sanders second. Uh, they, it, Philadelphia, I think, is going to be a much improved offense still, touchdown-wise overall. And uh, it, it was kind of talking about in the chat a little bit. They've been a committee for so long because they haven't any good running backs. Like, it, it's fine to piece together these okay guys who then produce and, and flash with Philadelphia. But I would, I'm going to bank on, or at least guess or gamble on, and put my chips in that, that is more of a system production rather than talent. And then that Miles Sanders can be the most talented running back in there and be more valuable. If I'm wrong, though, I feel like that's not a horrible gamble I'm willing to take, you know? No? Silence from everybody. We'll silence the crowd. 
Hey, um, sorry about that. I think I was technical difficulty on my side. Hey, Paul, who are your top three running backs in this class for dynasty after the draft? Yeah, this, I mean, it's, it's huge, Paul, because if you are wrong, I'm not coming on Wednesday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it, it's Jacobs, it's Sanders, it's Montgomery. And then to be honest with you, I, think, I don't think there should be another running back that's even sniffing round one the rest of the way. I, I mean, I think, I think after that, I can't remember in all my years of playing Dynasty, I, don't, I can't remember another year that the running back class is worse than this. Like to me, every other running back, maybe you can make the case to sell me on Justice Hill because he fits what the Ravens do. He compliments Mark Ingram. The Lamar Jackson running ability could open some big plays up for him. But besides that, I mean, unless Todd Gurley's, like, legs falling off, I, Darrell Henderson is a change of pace, you know, need Gurley to go down. And, you know, and he's my number, he's my number six, Henderson. I have Damian Harris at number five just because I think he – might steal some touchdowns and, and, and kind of split the work down the middle with Sony Michelle, even though they took Sony Michelle, you know, last year in the first round. I, I struggle to see how Devin Singletary, even in a backfield that uh, doesn't have a lot, except, you know, some older veterans and then TJ Yeldon. I just struggle to see where Singletary is going to be this big time player there. He's five foot six. Uh, he doesn't really catch the ball. He doesn't have elite explosion he can't pass protect so he's my number seven and I wouldn't want to touch him probably in the first two rounds so I can't remember how poor uh of a running back group it is I kind of thought today maybe some guys would end up in some good landing spots and it was nothing it was just one after the other was just uninspiring uh besides the justice hill my eight and nine went to the same damn team (laughs) they're blocked behind Joe Mixon and it's yeah. Like, oh yeah, well I, I didn't I didn't even bring up Tim. I, I Ronnie Anderson Ronnie Anderson on skill alone was my number two running back in this class. I was kind of hoping he maybe the medicals were a little bit better and he was going to go in like round four or five and have a little bit more draft capital. And I like Travion Williams. He was my number six back pre-draft, and I love Joe Mixon. I think Joe Mixon's one of the probably one of the top five or six most talented running backs in the NFL. So these guys, and I think he's more, I think he's going to be a workhorse now. I think they're going to use him tremendously this year. So those guys are handcuffs. If you own Joe Mixon, late stashes and you just kind of put them on your taxi squad, or if it's that type of league, uh, Bryce loves not playing the whole year. I mean, I I don't know what to do with the running back group. It's, I really want no interest in any of them. I just tried to give Paul a virtual high five for bringing up Rodney Anderson because I got far too many messages today about, hey, how's your running back two doing right now? And I was like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> He's not being drafted. <laughs> I mean, I knew he wasn't going to be drafted high. I built that into his value anyway when I talked about it. But I do love me some Rodney Anderson. I, I But the, the landing spot made me cry a little bit. So yeah. It, it's been ridiculous how I've had probably about three people come after me. Well, I, I've updated my rookie rankings and I've had a lot of people come up to me and be like, Hey, how could you have Hawkinson at two? I'm like, who else am I going to put up there? Like I put Jacobs ahead of Hawkinson, but like rankings right now with how the draft ended up Hawkinson's probably the, like the safest pick out of everybody. And then you look at like, yeah, because he asked, how could I have him ahead of Harry? Well, name a New England wide receiver that has panned out that has been drafted early. I'll, I'll wait. Like, I'll sit here and let you tell me. And it's just the, – it was frustrating to see the draft and how it panned out for these rookies. 
And I mean, people are probably just going to fall like Kelvin Harmon, like people had him high. He's a compensation six round pick, but he landed in a pretty good spot. Like Washington doesn't have much other than scary Terry McLaurin. And I mean, could he still land in the second round? Like there's players like that, that are just, you don't know. I think he still does end up in second rounds of a lot of rookie drafts. Just yeah, just because people remember his name from before, and maybe they just discount what happened in the draft and where he got drafted. And like you said, well, he went to a wide receiver needy spot. So people that want to just you know completely ignore the draft capital will say he will succeed. Man, that's that's scary to me. Yep. I'll let somebody else have him in the second. If he makes it to the third, I'll try. You know, then I'll take. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're going to be so surprised with these rookie drafts, especially in the second rounds. Hey, Trey. Well, so, so, I was thinking about Nikhil Harry. So, with the Patriots, I was looking at this again earlier today uh, about like Patriots draft history, history with wide receivers because it's not very good in the early rounds. They've converted some people. They have basically Troy Brown and Julian Edelman. They've really succeeded for them. And the last one was uh, Dobson back in 2013 in the second round of pick 59 overall. And he didn't, you know, he didn't pan out whatsoever. But the part, part of the thing with Harry, though, is I think looking at team history that far back and what they've done and how the team has changed and how the NFL has changed, the Patriots have done such a good job of adapting to the current NFL to continue to win and be better that them taking this pick this early, I do think, I do think matters. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it puts Harry at the one-on-one. I struggle with that because it, you know, what if he struggles right away? Like, what if he has, like, you know, two drops in the first game? Or, you know, doesn't, he does like the Sony Michelle where he stopped his route early because he's used to college routes versus pro routes because he missed training camp. You know, there's a lot of things that could make his value go down a lot faster than have it rise. But I think Harry could be the, you know, the playoffs MVP of this year for the, for the real NFL. But I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if he gets off to a pretty slow start. Yeah, and I, I want to counter that with you saying they're, they're pretty good at adapting. Usually when the NFL goes one way, New England's, Go, they go the other way. Like, look at them last year. They went with Sony Michelle. They ran the ball a ton. Look at their draft. They drafted a ton of offensive linemen, a lot of trench players. And then they drafted Damian Harris, which showed me early too, which showed me they want to run, run, run it some more, do a lot of play action pass. And that, that scares the crap out of me for Harry. Like, I, I like Harry as a player. I think there's a chance he could be, I don't know, a wide receiver two this year, uh, a low end. And that's on probably a good season for him for this because they still they still have Edelman. I, who knows what they're doing at tight end? Maybe that's where the targets go to. But I think they're going to run the crap out of the ball. They also took a punter in the fifth round, which I thought was like the least Patriots thing they could have done in this <laughs> in this draft. But hey, what the heck, man? I mean, they had like twenty draft picks, so why not yeah. secure you know uh, special teams? A solid special teams piece. We've we've seen that work out well for teams in the past. <laughs> Anybody want to take the punter at the 104 here before uh, a random name is picked? Well, well, Trey gets to to pick the 104. Oh, okay. So I pulled your name, Trey. So who do you want to take? You, you, Kyler Murray, Nikhil Harry, and uh, Josh Jacobs off the board. I think you just picked the punter. Hey. Uh, I'm almost sure that was the pick. I'm in. You know, <laughs> he's going to be their backup quarterback. Um. So. I actually just checked, and in this particular league, I traded for the 101 about three months ago, stole it. So I already took Kyler Murray. I don't need a quarterback. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take Miles Sanders here. We we already talked about him. I like him a lot. He's a guy that I've been really rising on. Um, Dwayne Haskins obviously in serious consideration, but I'm good at quarterback. I usually am in super flex league, so I'm gonna take the the guy that's gonna uh, put up some points for me at the running back position. Miles Sanders. Okay, we we talked about Sanders a little bit already. Any yeah. other thoughts about him, or should we just just press on with the 105? No, just get. Get Corey Clement's back up. I'd hope you already have Corey Clement. So, <laughs> I, I think it's going to get a little interesting here. And Paul, you get to uh, take the one hundred and five. So, for me, I'm pretty satisfied with who I'm going to take here because I, I'm on the cusp of having him right now as my number one wide receiver. I think it's debatable for me. I've actually flipped it already twice today. Uh, so Harry's right now my number one, but he actually wasn't my number one in the middle of the day. And I'm taking Debo Samuel out of San Francisco. Uh, I love the player pre-draft. He was my number four, number five wide receiver. I think he's pro ready. I think he's versatile. I think in that offense, uh, him and Dante Pettis, I think are going to lead that team uh, with Kittle in terms of production. And I think it's going to come as early as this year. So I don't think it's going to be a guy you're going to have to wait to get some type of production. He might not have the ceiling of Nikhil Harry or the ceiling of a guy like DK Metcalf or some other guys, but I think he's a guy I've come to a lot uh, to a blend of Jarvis Landry and DJ Moore. And I like his all around game. I think, I think Shanahan's going to find a lot of ways to be creative with Debo Samuel. And I think he's probably, I think I, I said it before the draft even happened. And then this was my ideal landing spot. I wanted him in San Francisco and I wanted AJ Brown with the Colts. Didn't get that for AJ Brown, but uh, Samuel did end up in San Francisco. I think, it's a perfect match, and I think he uh, is going to be used. I think he could lead the receivers in production this year. I like Pettis a lot too, but I wouldn't even be surprised if Debo has a really productive uh, rookie year there because that's how much I like his game and think he fits what Shanahan wants to do. Would you rather have Pettis or, say, or Debo? I think Debo's got a higher long-term upside, so I think, uh, I think I'd rather have Debo. I think also that there's still that – a little bit uncertainty around Pettis. I still think I could maybe trade like a later, like I said before, a later first round pick. I think, you know, somewhere in that nine to 12 range, I'd be, I'd be comfortable dealing maybe even in this draft, maybe even six or eight, but, uh, but I think I could probably get Pettis for a little bit less value than, than taking Debo. The correct answer here is Jalen Hurd. Maybe. Who knows? I think he might. I think he could lead the team in rushing touchdowns. <laughs> and that's not because I don't like him as a receiver. I do. I just think that I think they drafted him to be very versatile, and all their running backs are you know very similar in you know in 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 what they do. That I think that he could easily be like literally a vulture at the the one and two and three yard line, and he could come in and, and steal some touchdowns and. You know, if he does that and he catches like 40 passes or something, then he, he's going to become fantasy viable. But uh, it's hard to start to guess if he really is going to be their goal line runner. I don't think it's added a realm of possibilities, though. I think he's going to be a value in rookie drafts, honestly. I don't think there's a lot of people, you know, I don't know where his ADP was pr- prior to the actual draft. It had to have been like fifth round, right? And so I, I, I don't know that people are going to – I think people are pretty enamored with, the, with names. 
And I think Hurd, you know, they're going to ignore the fact that an early third round pick was spent on him. And like you said, Paul, like he could be used in a lot of different ways. And he's so raw as a receiver. He's only been playing the position for not even two years now. So I think he, he could be an awesome investment if you can get him like in the third round of rookie drafts. We'll see. He's a guy that's going to be pretty interesting where he settles. And I think, you know, he, he's going to go all over, all over the place in, in various drafts. Now, guys, I, I want to ask you something real quick because I've actually been struggling with it most of the day. Jalen Hurd has the draft capital. Calvin Harmon, we talked about before. I love him. He was my number three rated wide receiver pre-draft. No draft capital at this point. He's very much this year's Equinemius St. Brown. Hey, hey, watch it. <laughs> <laughs> if you were gonna if you were gonna take one of those guys first, is it Hurd or is it Harmon? Is it the guy that is not nearly the wide receiver that the other one is, but has the draft capital to him and has that potential short yard touchdown running to his name? Or is it the sixth round pick that it's not at a realm of possibility he gets cut also, which would be a would be a buzzkill. Like it's not impossible. Uh, I feel like Hurd won't be the popular pick here, but he would be mine just because I feel like he could, he they could work him into the game plan better than what they could. Like find touches for him one way or another. That's that's why I would probably pick him right now. I think there's always going to be a better pick in your dynasty drafts, Paul. To be honest, I probably would avoid both of them. I'd rather take a chance on one of those second or third round tight ends that went um, personally as an as an example. Oof. No, I mean, but where are those guys going to go in the rookie drafts? I mean, seriously, if, I mean, we think they're going to go like third or fourth round. I mean, aren't those guys going to go pretty late? Those wide receivers. Uh, Harmon's going to go in third. Well, Harmon will latest. go. Yeah, Harmon will go earlier because of name recognition. I, I guess there are just other options I'd rather take a take a chance on. Frankly, maybe maybe if I had to choose Harmon, <clears> but I'd probably I, go Harmon too. If if forced to choose between the two, I and I I I just don't. I don't think Hurd has a long-term future as a wide receiver there. I mean, I, I just don't. Uh, but I think Harmon, gosh, I think he's got a better upside, even though it looks really, really bleak right now. Just looked real bleak. Hey, Ryan, I'm surprised you didn't take Hurd right away because he has 10-inch hands. He meets yeah. your standard requirements. As he does Debo player. Samuel, 10-inch hands. <laughs> Any ages on the, on the panel here that have a concern that Debo is – 23 years old. I just don't like him. I think I have him at 17. <laughs> I, have, I have Miles Boykin ahead of him. I have Andy Isabella ahead of him. I have Akeem Butler ahead of him. So, yeah, I'm just – I've never been too big on Debo. I think he's way too injured, injury prone. And he's an older receiver. And I just – the size – I like Pettis a lot more. This is a perfect opportunity for me to go out and get Pettis. I'm, it, I'm not going to own Debo anywhere. I went, he went up to four for me, but as I discussed earlier with some people, that the uh, the tier for wide receiver is basically one, two, and then there's like six guys in a group. So, Bo falls into that group. He is towards the top of it for me, though. Can be interesting. Let, let's move on to the 106. Will Greenwood, you get your first pick with the 106. So, let's recap the first five again. Yeah, you got Kyler Murray, Nikhil Harry, Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, and um, um, Debo Samuel. Excuse me. Okay. <sighs> okay. Uh, this is my – so I did my kind of instant reactions today. And this is uh, one of the earlier times where I've tried to just write them out with initial thoughts. And so with the 106, I'm going David Montgomery uh, for the Bears. And I think 
volume and I know I know he lacks athleticism, but I think I just I think Dave Montgomery is going to be good there. They have a solid offensive line. They still want to run the ball, and he's a you know a good runner. I, I'm very excited that the Bears straight out to grab him. So there's going to be some capital there. Uh, and it was between that and basically Dwayne Haskins. And when I was doing it today, I went Dave Montgomery over him, and I like it, so I'm sticking with it. I love the pick. You know, I'm in Chicago here. Big Bears fan. I've been absorbing the Bears draft news. And it's, it's been about David Montgomery because the Bears had no other picks, of course. And I, I really am intrigued by him. Obviously, he, you know, he doesn't have, you know, lawn speed. Um, he's not – he doesn't have – as Paul would say, he doesn't have one calling card, but all around he's a, a really great back. The comparisons to Kareem Hunt seem valid. The guy that recruited him to Iowa State is the running backs coach at Northwestern, and he's compared him a lot to Kareem Hunt. So I'm excited about David Montgomery on the Chicago Bears. I don't know what his upside is because I think with that Matt Nagy offense, they're kind of going to spread the ball around. And, um, you know, maybe he doesn't have the upside of those guys that went ahead of him. But, but I like the pick a lot. I, I, I do like David Montgomery. And I think at the 106 here, it's pretty solid. So what, what do you guys think of David Montgomery? And then I'm a little bit of a homer here, so of course I'm going to be excited about him. So. He's my third running back. And honestly, of the top three running backs, I think any one of them could be the best running back at the end of this season, like the best one of this class. After him, like Paul said earlier, their running backs just garbage after that. So, that you know, I like the top three. I dislike every, every other one. And I think each of those top three could end up being the best one by the end of the season. If Darrell Henderson had gone to a different landing spot, John, oh. would you feel the same way? Uh, would you no, call? I would like him much better. Okay, I'm just I'm just just checking. In a bad spot. Like, how do you how do you, how do two years in a row people? I mean, I wasn't like a huge John Kelly fan, but right. there were definitely some people that loved him, and he went there and just got crushed. There were a lot of Daryl Henderson fans. Now he's go- like, why, 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 why? So, no, for me, it's well, three running backs are a void. Well, because Todd Gurley's knees, he's got arthritis yeah. in his knees. Haven't you heard? I mean, that's why. I want some insurance. I need to, I need to be in a league with people who think that because Todd Gurley got paid they're they're gonna use him like they usually do yeah he might lose five carries a game I don't think Henderson is any much better than Tev Coleman I think they have very similar games so yeah Todd Gurley's ultra talented and Henderson like you said change of pace back home run hitter he could he could get a couple of touchdowns other thoughts about David Montgomery before we move on, or should we just jump ahead? The one thing I'll say about David Montgomery is I think the Bears are, you know, they went out and they, for a running back free agent contract, they obviously had some legitimate interest in Mike Davis. So that's the one thing that I, I find, you know, a little bit curious, like, are, is he literally going to be useless, like, and barely even be involved in the, in the game? Because like, if you're getting to Rico and his touches, and I don't think that, his touch and his workload should really change all that much. And then Montgomery's there. If Montgomery is not at least getting the rest of the workload that Jordan Howard was getting, then he, he could even kind of stumble and be kind of in this first year or so. If Davis is getting, I don't know, five, six carries a game, four carries a game, you know, if he's playing like, you know, 15 snaps or whatever, if those 15 snaps are kind of coming or 10 snaps are coming from David Montgomery snaps and Cohen is still getting his allotment, you know, 
even that then is kind of limiting David Montgomery for a little bit this year. And I'm intrigued, unless I'm thinking of the wrong team, but I don't think I am. I'm intrigued by their late running back pick also. Uh, they took the other kid from Florida Atlantic, correct? And yes, that's, that's right. That's right. I don't know a lot about him. I, I, he, he's explosive. Like if, if, if Devin Singletary was slow, which he is, his teammate there is, is blazing. Like I think his pro day 40 time was like a four, three, nine or four, four. So he's a, he's a big play, right? I know Len Zerline and some other people, uh, thought he was the guy who was draftable in on day three, uh, as a change of pace, big play kind of guy. So, I don't know if he's even going to make the team because that, but maybe he's their fourth running back. So I, I don't think he's going to impact the other guys in any way, shape, or form. But the Davis contract now kind of doesn't make sense if they were going to attack the running back uh, in the draft and and pick multiple ones. Yeah, I think they'll use all three, Paul. I think you're right. I, I mean, I, I think that's what the Bears intend to do. So that probably limits the ceiling of David Montgomery at least in year one. Early so. on, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah for sure. For sure. Well, let's go. We're going to wrap around. I'll sit this one out. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I, I, I can use that cop out because it's even if I sit this one out and go to the 107. And Kyle Richardson is on the clock with the 107. Hmm. Can you, ju- can you just go back through it one more time real quick? Yeah, also, Ryan, it doesn't have to be even. We don't have to like – we can just change up the picks in the second round. Oh, you want me to keep drawing you names? In, you got to get in this, Ryan. Could be a 14-team league here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, really. for a fantasy Double, dual copy. Okay, uh, fine, fine. I'll, I'll take the pick. I'm going to take Dwayne Haskins at the 107. Superflex, you left him on the board for me. I love it. Falling to me at the 107, Haskins, great value. Love it. So there's my pick. Um, he was my QB2 coming into the draft, and I, I just love where he went, and I, I think he's solid. I've, if you look at his numbers, I don't have them in front of me, but um, you know his touchdown-interception ratio, completion percentage – um, I mean, like, other than he's only started one year, for me, he checks the boxes. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about him in Washington. So 107, would you guys have taken him if you had the pick? I was going to. I was going to take two quarterbacks. That's a, that's a steal. I mean, you know, we've all discussed why we haven't taken him. But still, to get, to get the quarterback two in a rookie super flex draft at the 107, that fe- that'll feel pretty good when that happens. But as Trey says – Superflex leagues are all over the board. Most of them, people highly value quarterbacks, but there are some, especially newer leagues, where people just, you know, they want to avoid it. And, and I think you've, you've kind of heard that narrative this offseason that the quarterback position is so deep. You know, we don't have to take them early on in startups. We can wait until the sixth or seventh round, and we'll get uh, Ben Roethlisberger and Philip Rivers, and our Superflex team will be fine. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes in your Superflex league. So, Ryan, we're in the same league together that we're drafting in right now, and I see you take Dwayne Haskins here, and I'm like, oh, I'll send Josh, Josh Rosen your way for him. What do you think? That's a good question. <laughs> I, 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 gosh. I, well, if you're making me that deal, I'm going to, you know, counter and try to get more back, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what to think of Josh I'm not, Rosen. I'm not the Cardinals, Ryan. This is a fantasy. <laughs> um, I think you've got to stick with Haskins. I think – I mean, don't – listen, Washington's roster is awful. I mean – it is absolutely awful, but you know Miami is not much, not much further ahead. And I, I just, I'll take the guy that a team just spent the top fifteen draft pick on versus a guy that struggled last year and now has been traded. His psyche is, has to be kind of messed with. I, I still, you know, like Rosen in the long term um, if I can get him on the cheap. But it's a pretty easy call for me with with Haskins over. Rosen. 
Well, not only that, but if you trade for Rosen right now, and let's say he has a decent 2019, not great, nothing to lock in his position, then next offseason, are you spending the entire offseason going, is Rosen going to be a starting quarterback for me, or is Miami going to invest a top pick in one of these quarterbacks coming out because they don't, I mean, they have no real capital invested in Rosen. They have, you know, the one pick, but if he doesn't do well, there's tons of people who say that they could just go quarterback again and, and get their guy. That's a great point. Oh, it'd be, that'd be so comically sad. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Stick with Haskins, but just the, did you, I think you're going to see a lot of Rosen move, movement in leagues this year. Maybe Rosen could get traded to the Giants next year after Miami drafts a quarterback one on one, and he ends up in the t- of the team where he should have been in the first place, and then it I finally works bad. out. I feel so <laughs> bad for Daniel Jones. Let's give him a break. Come on. That's a good part of the channel with in this rookie mock. We'll get to we'll get to Daniel Jones later. I think we're going to do a third round here. Well, or like Eli, could, Eli can start for three more years. Well, then why did you take a quarterback six overall? The fifth year option, that's man. A, yeah, right. <laughs> this we want to risk in two years. Uh, that's it's going to be so interesting to see it unfold. What what's the media coverage like, Paul, in the New York area? About I mean, is he just getting destroyed by the media? Oh, Gettleman, Gettleman. That's his, he's such an easy he's such an easy target. It's just been brutal. But I mean, this has been going on for about two years now, and it's just every single day the back you know backstage the back papers, I should say the back page of uh, all the newspapers is just, it's, it's endless and rootless. And, you know, it is what it is. Daniel Jones is going to have to prove him right. And if he does, then Gettleman looks like a genius. And, you know, I will say this though, the inside the NFL, it does seem like their take on Daniel Jones is very, very different than what the, fantasy draft Twitter community is it does seem that inside the NFL there was a legitimate split or even favorite towards Daniel Jones over Dwayne Haskins and whatever you know I I was obviously more pro Dwayne Haskins uh, but it does seem like it was different inside the NFL circles in terms of the scouting and maybe there's other stuff behind the scenes that, you know, that they're privy to that, that we aren't, but it does seem there is a little bit of a distinction uh, in terms of how he's publicly viewed and how he's viewed inside the NFL. And I think that's the same thing with Rosen. And then we talked a little bit on Thursday night about it. There's something else with Rosen that we're not privy to. And it, whether it's, the coachability, the character, the personality, the leadership. It's something that no team was willing to pony up much of anything to get him. There's a reason why multiple teams last year passed on him. And if the Cardinals don't move up to take him, you know, maybe who knows how long he falls last year. And, you know, his head coach going on Pat to the draft last year and, and his very lukewarm, you know, you know, promoting him. I think those are all major red flags and concerns and they know a lot more than we just analyze the film and not even like the coach's film and and we try to make the best of what we have and I think there's a lot more behind the scenes and a lot more that 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 they have access to that really changes the tune uh with them all right Kyle now you're on the clock at the 108 I wanted to take Haskins (laughs) I'm sorry they forced me into the draft so you can't have him, Kyle. <laughs> Should have traded up. Yeah, this is how drafts work, Kyle. Well, back to your point too about you know doing you know in startups, 
quarterback being so deep, taking older quarterbacks, that would have been exactly what I did in a startup. I would have waited, waited, waited. So I probably would have had two or three quarterbacks that are on their last leg. So I would have taken two younger quarterbacks in this draft and been like, okay, well now I'm covered there. So that was a, that was a good point. But uh, so if I have to go here, I guess part of me wants to take TJ Hawkinson, but then I don't want to because I yelled and screamed about him the other night because uh, I'm a Lions fan and I thought it was a ridiculous pick. So I'm not going to do that because I'm boycotting it. So I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to go with DK Metcalf because I originally, when the pick was made, didn't love it. But then as soon after the pick was made, we started hearing about uh, Doug Baldwin potentially being done. So now if that happens and Doug Baldwin doesn't end up playing uh, another snap, now you have Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf there. They, they're so focused on the run. They've proven they're going to focus on the run. I get that. However, I am going to uh, I'm going to jump in there and say, you know what, maybe they throw it a little bit more this year. Uh, maybe Metcalf comes in, and I know there's not a whole lot of Tyler Lockett fans out there. I do like him, um, but you know maybe you know maybe Tyler Lockett does regress a little bit last year, and maybe Metcalf takes some of those touchdowns that Lockett had. So um, Metcalf fits perfectly with Russell Wilson. I love it. I thought the fit was fantastic. Russell Wilson running around for his life. Metcalf just turns, takes off bomb Metcalf can go up and get it unlike Lockett can I mean Metcalf is going to I think turn a lot of heads and I think a lot of NFL teams are going to regret passing up on him I I love him in Seattle yeah you know he was a guy I was totally dismissing kind of before the draft and now I'm a little more intrigued and I hate to do that I don't like to to weigh, weigh too much in the landing spot, but it, it does seem like it's a nice fit, and and he is an intriguing prospect on a lot of levels. So, I, I didn't think I would have any shares of him after these these rookie drafts, but now I'm not so sure, and I don't know where he's going to go. I don't know how people are going to value him. I, I mean, maybe it's here late in the the first round. I, I'd love to hear some other thoughts. He's forcing Doug Baldwin to retire. He saw that pick. Like, <laughs> Trey, you were you've been really low on DK Metcalf. So, what do you think now? He he's not a guy that I'm going to own anywhere because inevitably someone's going to be willing to draft him higher than I will. Um, I, I mean, I just have some significant concerns, and obviously, you know, I don't have to go on and on. I think the concerns regarding his limitations have been pretty well documented. Um, I'll have to say, though, I, I've warmed up to him significantly after seeing the video clip of him walking into his interview shirtless and then seeing uh, that is the best. Seeing, seeing uh, Pete Carroll whip his shirt off and then, like, put it right back on <laughs> real quick. So, uh, yeah, I, man, I just he, – he could end up being a, a really great wide receiver there. But, you know, I, I think the hype on him – has come from his, you know, early being kind of a, a darling in the Debbie world and um, the, the, the pictures that have circulated, you know, the weight room videos. So I, I have some significant concerns about his ability to actually play wide receiver. Is he a freak athlete? Is he amazingly fast and ridiculously chiseled? Absolutely. But I, I just think it takes so much more than that to be successful in the NFL, and, and so he's, he's a guy Good. who's probably not going to be taking. Good. So Move for me, and Trey. guys, all right? 
My question well, is, is of everybody that's left on the board right now, do you think Metcalf has the highest ceiling or do you have somebody over him that would have a higher ceiling? Yeah, I have, I, I have, I, 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 I would take someone right now over him. Yeah, me too. Is it my pick? Because that might be the guy I'm getting ready to say. Well, I don't, I don't want to say who it is. It is hope, your pick. I'm hoping, yeah. to, I'm hoping to get him, but I, yeah, I just don't like, I wonder about DK's ceiling. We talk about, you know, his ceiling, like, you know, I mean, Kevin White had a really high ceiling, right? Because he was like super fast and, you know. Why did you have to rent him up, Trey? Come on. (laughs) So, you know, I just, you know, I think it's just telling that he was the ninth wide receiver taken off the board. I I mean, he was passed over by a lot of teams. And, and, you know, I I think that there could be some value to the the landing spot there. But I just, he makes me nervous. I I don't know that he has the highest ceiling, but, you know, he, he definitely has that boom bust feel to him. And uh, so I, I just, I just, uh, I'm going to pass. Doesn't, I, doesn't hate, I mean, I could be wrong, but. I hate the comp of Kevin White because you're comping him to a 32 year old rookie wide receiver coming into the NFL. Uh, yeah. Let's not talk about Kevin White anymore. Uh, and, and, and anyone that had any hope of Kevin White being signed, he's signed with the Cardinals, right? And like, Oh, there's some life left. I think that's been <laughs> yeah. really smashed this, this draft. At least something good came out of it. Did they get the receiver? <laughs> Arizona, Arizona a very good one i think they actually just drafted another one while we've been recording crazy they drafted like a basketball starting five like, the, like how many guys caleb wilson is pretty much a wide receiver too at their last pick so i think they actually drafted like five it's gonna be just as fast as you can get that ball to any one of them as fast as you can or just run just take off that's all it's gonna be it's gonna have like half a second in the pocket and it's gonna be that boom boom Bosh, don't take my guy, dude. Don't, yep. don't, don't take my guy. Bosh is taking an Arizona wide receiver. Which one, John? I'm not taking an Arizona wide receiver. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. It's uh, John Bosh. He's going he's gonna to snipe me. No, DK got the landing spot that a lot of people wanted. I'll take the guy that the landing spot did not help, even the, just because I like the player. I think he can still succeed, even though this team has been uh, not ideal for a wide receiver lately. I'll take A.J. Brown. So I, I, he's still, for me, he's my number two receiver, actually. So I'm pretty happy to get him at this point. And this is what drafts are going to be like this year, where <sighs> this just is going to happen. I'm, Can I? He's my second wide receiver. And how many have gone before him now? It's crazy. So, so John, I own him in picks three. And uh, you know who to talk to if you really like him. I don't have any money there. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't have anything for rookie money this year. Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> that's, not your, that's, not, that's not on brand for you, John. Not at all. <laughs> Was it Ryan McDowell that put out on Twitter, who would you rather have, Corey Davis or um, AJ Brown? And it was pretty close. It was like 50-50. Oh, yeah. my God. So, so what do we think about, about that? I mean, I'm still – I like Corey Davis. I think it's time to go buy Corey Davis, man. Yeah. I mean, good. Yeah, might be. I, I want both of them. But, dude, if 50% of the people are saying they'd rather have A.J. Brown, then I'm going to give you my 107 or 106 or 108 or wherever, you know. I'd like to say it's a shiny new toy, but Corey it's Davis. not a shiny new toy. It's just a new toy. I mean, it's still a Tennessee wide receiver, so it's not like – it's not any shinier than Corey Davis. And Corey we have to Davis remember, put up decent production last yeah, year with the one-on quarterback. Yeah. yeah, we have to remember Ryan Tannehill has also supported two receivers <laughs> at one point, so I That's could awesome. see him doing it again. That's awesome. Sorry, I'm filling out the chat Sorry here. So, so I know that 
Um, Tyler, I, don't, I know you've got to jump off with us. Do you want to? Do you want to trade into the the one ten and make another pick before you have to jump off? I think I'm next, anyways, aren't I? Oh, no. hey, you are next. That's right. You don't even have to trade. It's your pick. <laughs> you want to trade out of it, or do you want to pick? Tyler might still trade for it, though. I, I honestly probably would. I like to trade. So <laughs> give up a fourth to take this pick right now. Let me let me talk to the person with this pick, and I'll be back. No, I I still got time. Don't rush me off. I know. I know, you know, you probably just push me off, but no, no, you're good. I just want to be, yeah, you know, you're good. You're no, you t- hey, stay as long as you like. We, okay, we, got, we, got, we got at least two rounds to do. Trey wants to do three rounds, which is crazy, but <laughs> uh, my this is going to be easy pick for me. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, I think he's got the safest floor in this whole entire draft, especially in tight end premium. If it's that league, he's going to be probably top three for me. I think Hawkinson with the the eight overall draft stock, the way they want to use the tight end in that Matt Patricia scheme, they want him to be the Gronk. He can block. He can do every. I think he's literally a slightly poor man's Gronk in my eyes, from what I've seen on tape. And the the measurables might not be quite as outstanding as Gronk's probably were if he was healthy for when he did it. But I just think TJ Hawkinson is a guy that is going to get targets. They're going to use him. A different offensive coordinator. I, he's going to be on the field all the time from blocking. I think he could be a guy that gets eight to ten touchdowns year one. Give me TJ Hawkinson in a in a position in fantasy football that we are begging, just begging for more people to come in and and produce for us. So. I'm going to take the early jump on a guy that I think could be a top five tight end in the next three years. Yeah, I love the pick. This is who I was going to take at the 109. Um, talk about upside. I, I think Hawk is the tight end one. We're going to get some pushback, Tyler, on that. But, uh, but I'm with you. I, th- I love the pick. Who, who's with me? Who's with Tyler and I? Is Hawk the tight end one in this class? No. It's really close for me. Hawkinson <laughs> is, <not> <laughs> is for me. But – I'll take Fant just because uh, I, I like him a little bit more in Denver. He was before the draft. What's that? In Denver. I, I, want, I, lo- I want people to explain to me why Denver. There's actually more targets in Denver than there is in Detroit. Like more people that need targets. You got Deshaun Hamilton. You got Colin Sutton. You're going to have running backs out of the backfield in both, both places. But I think Denver with uh, – I get Flacco's elite. I can, I can accept that. But I just think that Denver is not as good as Detroit. I know that's probably a stretch, but I oh, I think Detroit's a better offense. I just think Fant will get more more targets, more more use. I think Fant is essentially the could could lead that team in targets. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's unreasonable. I think that he uh, and and you know for me Fant over Hawkinson is more long term. It's not as much year one. Obviously, I think. You know, we, we've been spoiled with some of the recent production. I mean, I know Kittle took a couple years. You know, Ingram had early production. But, you know, I, you really have to be patient with these tight ends. So you're taking these guys for what they can be years down the road. But I do think the road to early targets for Fant is significantly greater in Denver than it is for Hawkinson in Detroit behind Galladay and Marvin Jones. I think he's going to be asked to block a lot more. I think they want to run the ball. Um, and, and I think Carryon Johnson's going to be involved in the passing game. So I just think that there's a, 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 a safer path to early and better targets for for Fant. Plus, I just like I just love Fant's athleticism. I, I think his, you know, from a metrics perspective, I, I 
I love what he brings to the table. And, you know, round one, he didn't go as early as Hawkinson, but. You're an uh, Ebron fan, aren't you? Nope. So, I sure am not. This is where the, a little bit of the dive came to earlier today. It's about because Dar- Daryl Bevel took, is now the offensive coordinator in Detroit. He was the Vikings offensive coordinator uh, basically through the early, like most of the like AP, AP years, you know, and talking about feeding the ball to the running back all the time. Then he had Marshawn Lynch in Seattle. He, he took over there in 2001 and took Tavares Jackson with him there from Minnesota. Interestingly enough, I was trying to look at like tight end targets overall, and they're not, it's not great. Like, like Vizante Shanko was his tight end most of the time in Minnesota. He has some good touchdown years and things like that. I think that could be if he has a red zone scheme that gets the tight end more wide open than it used to be. But it's a lot of projection in the modern NFL. Uh, when he had Jimmy Graham in 2016, you know, he gave him 95 targets, had it hit, and then Jimmy Graham had 923 yards. Um, but at the end of the day, I was trying to find, like, a reason to why I think Hawkinson's just going to crush it year one. And I think as a new tight end coming out as a redshirt sophomore, he is slightly older, and mo- older than most redshirt sophomores. but. I'm not expecting much out of these guys year one, him or Fan. I mean, Fan, I think, has upside to have more targets there, but it's not an easy adaption. So I like taking these guys early, but this is for next year. If like this pick now, if I'm taking it, is I'm not expecting any production until 2020. Hey, Paul, who's ready to play tight end in the NFL? Who's gonna, who do you think is going to be the biggest producer just to put you on the spot year one? I mean, I think Hawkinson's going to play substantially, substantially more snaps. I don't even think it's going to be close. I think Hawkinson will be on the field 90%, 85 90% of their offensive snaps. I think Noah Fant might play 55 60 I think, I think there's going to be a little bit of annoyance. People are going to be a little annoyed. I could see a little bit similarities to David Njoku's first year. I love Noah Fant. I, I like his athleticism. He's not my tight end one. He's my tight end two. But he is very raw. And he, his route tree and his route running is still got to be refined. If they ask him to do too much, I don't know. You know, we all remember how much set the valve played for that first year for the Browns when David Njoku was there. And even so, David Njoku still hasn't broken out. And to be honest with you, I don't think it's ever happening because of all the weapons there. I think he could become a nice low tight end one, but I don't think him ever being a top five tight end is happening anymore. And part of it is he never really finished developing in terms of being a really good route runner. He's got good athleticism and all that stuff, but he never kind of rounded out his game. And for Fant, I think I don't think he's a very good blocker. I, I, I think he put on weight for the combine, but I don't think he's going to play at that weight. He wanted to test in a little bit better in terms of his weight. It didn't impact his athletic testing, but I bet he plays more like 235, 240 than 250, what he measured at the combine. So I don't think he can be much of a blocker. So it really depends on what kind of game plan they have for him in terms of, are they basically just asking him to be a receiver like Evan Ingram? And if they just ask that and they keep their route concepts very simple, I think he can make plays. I just am not betting on that year one. I think there could be a little bit more of developmental. I do think there's way, way more targets to go though in Denver because I don't really think Cortland Sun's that good. I think Sean Hamilton's average. So I think there's a lot more targets to be had. I think Galladay could be great, to be honest with you. And I think Marvin Jones is steady. So I do think there's more targets to go in Denver. But I can, I'm worried about how quickly he's going to be ready to be a consistent producer. And I'm kind of hoping that the Vikings trade Kyle Rudolph between now and start of the year because I actually think Irv Smith's the most ready to go in terms of his route running and route development. And I think he would have the best year one 
receiving output than anybody if he was locked into 60 to 70 percent snaps uh i love Irv smith jr pre-draft he was my number two tight end after hawkinson he's not my number two right now because you know fans opportunity is greater his draft capital is greater all that stuff but i actually think Irv smith's the most ready to make an impact in the nfl in terms of his receiving ability as a detroit lions fan i have to chime in here and i know we've been on this subject for a little bit but let me let me get this part. So from a, uh, from a pure stand, uh, football standpoint, the Lions taking Hawkinson at eight infuriated me, especially seeing Irv Smith Jr. could have went to them in the second round. I would have much rather seen like a Brian Burns at number eight and then Irv Smith Jr. in the second round. So I'm not going to go into that big rant again. So here's my problem with Detroit and the tight end. And I know a lot of people are like, well, come up with an excuse that doesn't include Eric Ebron in it. And it can't happen because that's part of the excuse. But here's... So people are saying Matt Patricia wants to have his Rob Gronkowski. That's the offense that he wants to run. If he wanted someone like that, then why in the world did the Lions not hold on to Ebron? Why did they let him walk last year for what he did? If they truly wanted a receiving tight end, somebody for Matthew Stafford at tight end, they would have held on to him. So spending an, spending the eight overall pick on a tight end this year just seems absolutely ridiculous to me, especially considering we've already talked about what they want to do in the run game and how they want to run the ball more, it seems like. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think they're going to run the ball more. It's going to be carry on Johnson and C.J. Anderson, carrying the rock as many times as possible, taking the load off Matthew Stafford. Now we're saying, Matthew Stafford, you have to support Kenny Galladay. You have to support Marvin Jones. Oh, are you going to support TJ Hawkinson as well? Somebody's going to lose out at this point. It's not going to be the run game. So then are you going to take away from Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay, who both have two years of experience with Matthew Stafford for a rookie tight end that typically takes time to develop anyway? I, I, can't, I cannot buy into Hawkinson this year. I can't do it. I, he's a fabulous athlete. He's a fabulous tight end. He's an amazing player. He was my tight end one. I do think he's a better blocker. I do agree with the fact that he's going to be on the field more than Fant this year because of his blocking abilities. And if Detroit's going to run the ball more and they can keep him on the field, might as well do it. But in terms of pure like output, fantasy football points, I'll take Fant over Hawkinson this year. Maybe long-term – that offense starts to develop a little bit more, but I, I hate it. I hate the fit with Detroit. I absolutely hate it. That's not going to be a popular pick. I think it's ridiculous. All right. Thanks for holding back there, Kyle. (laughs) I just think you're forgetting about golden Tate's targets. You're also forgetting the fact that he's not Ebron. Ebron couldn't block worth a damn and Hawkinson can. So he's going to be on the field much more. He's going to play that Gronkowski role. Like, I, he's going to play the guy that's going to be on the field constantly. You're not going to know if he's going to stay in block or if he's going to go out on a route. Gronkowski did that a lot where it looked like he was staying in block, same put, and then boom, he went on just a short route. They gave him the ball, run after the catch, which Hawkinson is great at too. I just, I think you can't compare the past players to Hawkinson. You can't, you can't compare him to Ebron. You can't touch that. They're completely different players. And like you said, I, Marvin Jones, do we actually know if he's going to get the same amount of targets? Is he actually fully healthy? Is Galladay actually going to progress even more? Or is Hawkinson actually going to be the focal point of the targets? Is, is Galladay just going to turn into the pure red zone guy? Galladay's got to progress as well. And Marvin Jones has to become healthy. Golden Tate's targets are still there. 
there's a lot of things we got to put into the whole entire pick, uh, the Hawkinson pick, and the idea of him being a fantasy relevant player year one, than just comparing him to Ebron. I and I'll agree with you that I, I'm not specifically comparing him to Ebron in terms of being like a player. Hawkinson over Ebron, 100%. He's a much better overall player than what Ebron is. My comparison is, though, that if they were looking for that tight end to play the receiving role, to be the guy to to make an impact, then why didn't they re-sign Eric Ebron last year, especially for the deal that he had? I mean, they had crap at tight end last year. If they really wanted to focus on that position being a receiving threat, I feel like they would have brought him back at I just I can't seeing this team and watching what they've done for so many years now and I know we have Matt Patricia now and I know they're trying their best to be the New England Patriots in every single way possible which drives me nuts sometimes but I just I can't buy into him being a like an actual now red zone threat absolutely I'll buy into him getting some getting some touchdowns this year uh, and being that guy that maybe helped support his value with those touchdowns a little bit but from a volume standpoint I, I can't buy into it I think that's fair I think the Lions are in for a big change with Daryl Bevel as their offensive coordinator like compared to what they've done in years past this, this isn't uh, uh yeah it's not going to be this the, the pass first all the time offense that just was with Jim Bob with no running game, I think you're going to see a heavy dose of the run game early in the season. You're going to see passing attempts go down, at least in my, my opinion, uh, based on the history of Bevel. Like this is because he was out of the league last year. He didn't even he didn't coach. So I think we've forgotten about it. And, and Tyler, you can correct me if I'm wrong because I, I bet that you know Vikings history way better than I do. But like Bevel loves just running on a straight eye formation and like, you know, just, just pounding the, pounding the rock. So he also had one of the generational best running backs in the league back then. I mean that, that no, so Chester Taylor though, ran for 1300 yards when Bevel first came in. That's true. Or 12, sorry, 1200 and yeah, only six touchdowns. And then he went to Seattle where he struggled with a non-generational talent like Marshawn Lynch right away. Just kidding. <laughs> it's a, uh, but uh, yeah, I think there. I think that offensive philosophy though is is gonna change. You know, I mean, it, maybe the year off he he changed. <laughs> we can only hope. Ryan is. Uh, I'm on the clock, right at the one eleven. You are on the clock, Trey. So, because it it just flows right into this. I, I'm gonna take the guy I was talking about earlier that I would have taken over Metcalf. This is the guy that for me would have been. It would have been between A.J. Brown and, and this gentleman at, at the 105 even. Um, not necessarily where I'd take him in rookie drafts. I'd try to trade down and still get him, but he's a top six player on my board, and that is Noah Fant. Uh, no question, he's my tight end one. I love him. I think that he is without a doubt. I, I think the tight end landscape changing in the NFL right now, and I think that there is – an opportunity for these guys, these young guys to really step in. And, and again, I, I'm not, for me, year one, I just put this in the chat. For me, year one, if I'm, when I'm drafting a tight end, is really meaningless. I mean, whatever I get in year one from a tight end I, I draft, or even in year two, is a cherry on top. Like, I'm not drafting Noah Fant to put up production for me in year one. I'm drafting him because I think that he can be on the level of an Ertz or a Kelsey, I think that he could be a difference maker, a major positional advantage for many, many years. I do not expect it in 2019. I don't even expect it in 2020. Uh, but for me, no offense, a top six player in this class overall. In tight end premium, 
man, I think, you know, especially if it's star two tight end, you know, I I think it's pretty crazy how high he, he could go, but that's my pick at the one eleven. Very nice reaction to that. I think we've talked about the tight ends. I think we all have. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if, if Hawk or Fant is the number one, I think Fant will end up being the number one in most rookie drafts, but I could see Hawk. I think that's I mentioned like Daryl Bevel a few more times. I feel like that's relevant. <laughs> yeah, drop, I'm, drop. I'm dropping Hawk to where I can take him. But going back to Fant, I have met seven overall. So I, it's not like I'm low on him. I just like Hawkinson a lot. Oh, yeah. I, I love both of them too. And, yeah, if one drops to me, that that's great. So um, I, do, I do have one question, not to prolong the tight end talk a little bit more than what we already have. So – when my kind of philosophy when it comes to drafting tight end and rookie drafts is not to is to stay away from them because I find a lot that owners who do invest in them and I'm seeing the comments in the chat too because I have YouTube up over here so I'm watching the people commenting as well talking about we've become too short-sighted this is live. And- <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> and Trey, Trey and Will are supposed to be monitoring the chat so Kyle thank you for doing the the job I'm on the chat dude I've been chatting all <laughs> oh, right. oh good okay I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm chopping it up with the right. Hands, man all right all right my bad so yeah so I so I did there's a couple of comments about being too short side and things like that but you know what I what I've noticed is a lot of times and it, if you're playing in one of those deep dynasty leagues with guys in the industry this isn't going to happen nearly as much but if you're in leagues with your friends if you're in um, some other leagues that aren't nearly that intense a lot of times after that first year people are going to give you a discount on those tight ends because they didn't do anything in year one so for me to spend you know a first round pick on a tight end in a rookie draft when I can maybe get him next year for maybe a couple of guys that you know maybe a wide receiver that has a chance to break out with a team maybe one of those buy low type options maybe a couple of extra rookie picks maybe a second and a third or something like that if you've got guys that invest in these tight ends and get absolutely nothing from them in year one there's always a possibility that you can swoop in later and get them at a discounted price and that's that's part of my argument in terms of I don't like investing in these tight ends so early Yep, which is a huge thing you go back to. Know know your league mates, know who you're playing with, because if they are people who panic after year one, then yeah, I'd go that route. And I'm totally on board. I just think this year's draft is a little bit different. It, it, when we're uh, going to go by comparison, we don't have a lot of like exciting reaches we want to take here at running back. I feel like receivers, nobody's really excited either. Like we're not taking TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fan. We're not like super, I feel like those aren't like super reps for excited. About taking tight ends in round one of of rookie drafts, that's not what you really want to do. I think I think I'm on the clock are, at Paul. at one point twelve, and I I think we're starting we're starting to enter a little bit of no man's land in terms of there is a plethora of ways this pick could go, and this is to me I, I'm between two guys here, and the one I'm going to pick probably doesn't make much sense for most people, but. It, I'm going against my pre-draft rankings. I'm going against draft capital. Those are not usually two things to go against. Hmm. But I I don't want to attach myself to the Baltimore Ravens offense and their quarterback. So I'm pivoting off of Marquise Brown, who I absolutely love as a a talent and was my number two wide receiver pre-draft. And I'm actually going to pivot to McCole Hardman, the wide receiver out of Kansas City, who I – 
before anything even happened a couple of days ago about Tyreek Hill, I thought he was a really intriguing prospect. He was number nine pre-draft for me. Um, I was on a podcast a couple of weeks ago. I said he was the closest resemblance to Tyreek Hill in this draft class. And now he's going to be replaced in Tyreek Hill. And I'm not saying he's going to become Tyreek Hill and put up those stats, but he's pretty explosive and he can do a lot of the Tyreek Hill stuff. And I think Andy Reid's going to maximize it. So at this point, I think I would shoot for the upside and I would say, I don't care. I'm never somebody, I know some people, I don't really care about collegiate statistics. It's just not for me. Uh, I watched Macaulay Hartman and saw him make an impact there for Georgia. And if he played, if he was on Oklahoma, I think he would have put up Marquise Brown stats. I think he could have done that. I think that offense could, a lot of people could have done that. So I don't go about, again, too much about the stats. I love the player. I think he's very versatile. He can be used in a variety of ways. And I'm going to bet on Mahomes and I'm going to bet on Andy Reid and that Chiefs offense. And I probably shoot for the home run there uh, with McCall Hardman over Marquise Brown. Yeah. I mean, why not go for upside? He has the talent, the situation. I think it's a solid pick of the 112. What, what do you guys think? I have a feeling he's not going to go in the first round in a lot of rookie drafts. I don't mind the pick because, like you said, at this point it's all kind of just get who you want. But I have a feeling he's a guy that's going to end up being available later just because, let's face it, like he wasn't exactly known uh, by the general public as much as a lot of these other guys are. So I think people are going to take other names first that they recognize. I'm not saying it's a bad pick. I just, I think he's a guy that I'm going to target later and hope to get him later. I'm curious to ask, do you think he could be a guy, rookie drafts tend to happen at all different times, right? Like you guys, you just said you're, you're a rookie draft started. I know for me, my rookie drafts end up not happening until August, like after a couple weeks of he'll be hired in. Pre season training camp. Can you see? I could see McCall Harmon's ADP dramatically altering from tomorrow. Like if, if people are, putting out ADP data next week and then put it and then you, what happens all it takes is one or two plays I think in preseason or reports in training camp that he's doing the Tyree kill stuff and there's going to be a, a drastic swing so you're right I think right now you probably wouldn't see him I, I personally liked him even before he ended up in the ideal situation I didn't even think he was going to have second round draft capital I thought third round so I can see that more people are still going to be very lukewarm on him right now I wonder if that changes during after training camp and after some preseason games, if we see one or two explosive plays. Paul, do you remember when they wanted him to play cornerback earlier this off season? That's ridiculous. Now, like you you look back on it and (laughs) he's a five-star guy coming out of high school. This guy is ultra talented. And yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I mean, right now you could probably get him late second, early third, even. And I think, like you said, in August, you're probably going to have to take him mid to late first round. You know, if if Tyreek ends up getting getting dropped and he takes over for Tyreek, yeah, that's that's going to be an earlier pick. Uh, guys, I'm on the clock here at the 102, and, th- and this is, or excuse me, the 201 rather. Um, this is a tough pick. I, I mean, I'm 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 glad we're doing this exercise because I'm kind of at a loss, and I think I'm going to make a pick that might be a bit of a reach. But I'm going to take Darrell Henderson, the new running back for the L.A. Rams. And, and my thinking here is when we talk about upside, I think there's enough concern about Todd Gurley that I think Henderson is going to be a big part of that offense than we think. 
I don't think he's going to be a bell cow or anything, obviously. I don't think Todd Gurley is going away. But I, I don't know. I'm just intrigued by him enough. And, you know, with, with third round draft capital, I, I mean, I don't feel great about the pick, but I don't know who I'm going to feel great about. I thought about Hollywood Brown here. Maybe that's a smart pick to make. Maybe Irv Smith Jr. is in consideration. Uh, but I'm going to go with uh, Darrell Henderson, who is my next highest-ranked running back, and I don't feel good about it. So someone make me feel good about this pick. Please. Sorry. I'll I talk about if you were to take Irv Smith. Can we talk about that situation? Let's talk about Irv Smith when it. we get to Irv Smith. <laughs> no, I, Ryan, I like the pick a lot, honestly. And for me, it comes down to two things. One, we saw – the end of last season Todd Gurley had some issues that you know like obviously nobody kind of saw coming he just signed this big contract he's massive workhorse and so I think going into this offseason and I think them taking um, Henderson in the third round is a is a perfect example of the changing mindset probably that's going to happen within that franchise and I the, the one thing I love about him is not only is he is, is he explosive but he's going to one of the best and, and most explosive offenses in the NFL. When you, you talk about I – mean, I mean, there may be plays where they have Gurley and Henderson on the field at the same time and, and three wide receivers set, and, and he runs a route. You know, I, I think his, his ability as a pass catcher and his explosiveness, you know, I, I don't think it's unreasonable to see a 70-30 split there for carries because I think that if the, the Rams were just in the Super Bowl, they don't – care about getting early 300 touches they care about winning football games and winning a championship they've had a taste of it now and so I think that the the model for them for success is to keep Gurley fresh throughout the year I think Gurley is still going to get a lot of touches but I think that I believe Henderson's going to be a real value in rookie drafts because of the thought process that he's just a backup that he's just a handcuff and lo and behold if Gurley were to go down and this knee condition were to create an injury where he's overcompensating or, you know, this isn't my wheelhouse, but if he were to have some sort of an injury and Henderson were to take over as the starting running back in that offense, I mean, my God, like the 201 will look like nothing to have spent for that upside. So I I think it's a nice pick, man. I I like it. Thank you, Trey. I appreciate it. (laughs) Here's a question. Do you think that the Rams – progressively limit Gurley throughout the year. He starts with a higher count and then they start toning him down a little bit more towards the end of the year, going into the playoffs and then ramp it back up. Or do you think it's an even split or not, not an even split, but in terms of winding down his workload, they keep it even throughout the entire year and they keep the, keep the split through the entire year. That's a great question. That's something I worry about. I, I, cause I, I do get that feeling that, Dynasty owners of Todd Gurley might be really disappointed when it comes to the fantasy playoffs because they're going to want to rest him for the playoffs. So, I mean, I know that's, you know, speculation. I, I, we just don't know, do we? So, yeah. I think the late season is going to matter a lot more to the Rams than it did this past year. The rest of that division is getting better. I mean, the, if the, their schedule changes. I don't think they're going to be this dominant overall team that they were. So, I don't think Gurley's rest, at least in week 15 and 16, is going to be – as relevant as it was last year with what they did. Yeah, I mean, there'll be a lot of good teams in FC in general. So it, it, even if they've got the West wrapped up, they're going to be fighting for, uh, you know, first-round bye, right? And, 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 was, I, and I'm wrong often. I'm so <laughs> – these kind of things. But <laughs> I, that's just where I'd gamble on, you know, I get is what I mean to say. Like, not hardcore stance. Just that's where I'd put my chips. 
Let's move on to the 202, Kyle. Um, 202, um, you see we, we've typed in the, uh, our, our chat on our Zoom, who's off the board. Maybe to run it down for uh, – is it, is it in the chat on, on YouTube? Uh, I'll, I'll run it down again. The 101, Kyler Murray. 102, Nikhil Harry. 103, Josh Jacobs. 104, Miles Sanders. 105, Debo Samuel. 106, David Montgomery. 107, Dwayne Haskins. 108, DK Metcalf. 109, AJ Brown. 110, TJ Hawkinson. 111, Noah Fant. 112, uh, Nicole Hardman. I, I don't even know his first name yet. Paul, he's still so new to me. And then 201, uh, Jarrell Henderson. So 202, Kyle Richardson, go ahead. Uh, I need some time there. I don't want to make the pick, but I'll have to pick Marquise Brown here. I don't. Hollywood I don't, Brown. I don't, Woo. I don't like him as much as other people do. In terms of draft capital, I think he makes the most sense at this point in the mock draft. Um, but I definitely don't love the Tyreek Hill, Deshaun Jackson type comparisons because we're trying to compare this guy to outliers in my mind. I mean, at the combine, what, he was 166, 170 pounds or whatever it was. I mean, to me, he's going to be more of just a straight line burner. And I know a lot of people don't agree with that. Um, but I don't want to, I don't want to hook myself to a guy like that with a Lamar Jackson, who I like a lot. I'm a big Lamar Jackson fan, but I also know that he has a lot of growing to do still as a passer. So, but in terms of draft capital and where we're at in this mock, I mean, it it makes sense to pick him here. He just feels like a guy that's going to have some big boom weeks. You know, maybe he'll be, you know, four for 70 and a touchdown, but then he'll have many weeks where he's, you know, two for 30 or something like that. I, he just feels very boom bust and a guy that may be great on your best ball team, maybe not so much yeah. for a team where you have to set a lineup. I mean, he has that kind of feel. Maybe I'm way off on that. I feel like he's going to be really dependent on the big plays to make weeks worth it for fantasy owners. Does anyone disagree, though? I mean, clearly he slipped to the um, 202, so if anyone loved him, he would have gone earlier, I think. I, I will have none of him. I, I can already tell you that. I just won't have him on any teams. There there are still a couple of wide receivers that I would take right here before him even. I think in a lot of leagues he's going to go much higher than this. I hope um, so. And, I, you know, I'm excited. I can't wait. I, I don't know. If you, I'm sure you guys, some of you at least, watched and saw the pick, man. And just the, the raw emotion that this kid had. And everybody – I mean, nobody – like, he's 166 pounds – this and that, like all of this doubt, all of this, you know, at least I see tons of it in the, in the Twitter, you know, dynasty community. I'm cheering for the guy. I legitimately want to have a couple shares because I want to see him succeed. I think it's great when, you know, people kind of break the mold and players break the mold. And I think, you know, we, we talked about this, I think on a previous recording, just when it was Ryan, Will and I, and you know, if, if there's ever a time that a 166-pound wide receiver can become an impact player in the NFL and for fantasy, it's in the NFL of 2019 and beyond. And so I, I think um, I, I'm cheering for him. And so I think he could end up being a better NFL uh, weapon than, than for fantasy, you know, take, kind of take the top off that um, offense and open things up a little bit for Lamar Jackson, but I love it. I, 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 I'm pulling for him. All right. So we, we've got a trade and I think I, I messed up the order. Cause I think <laughs> I, I skipped, uh, I skipped will at some point, uh, but we've got a trade 
Tyler, you're, you're trading up to take somebody here. Yeah, I, I unfortunately have to get going. To, uh, it's, um, you know. No, 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 we made a sweet my, deal. My, <laughs> yeah, it was, a good, it was a good deal. I have, a, I have a pregnant wife I need to help out and take care of, so she needs some things done before bedtime. So I am going to take Paris Campbell here. I think probably the biggest talent on the board. I he's my seventh overall rookie. I think Look at he trade to get up to here. I have to leave too. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually my number eight overall player. I love the landing spot. A lot of people think, oh, you know, he he's kind of similar to T. Y. Hilton. I think he is going to do the exact opposite of T. Y. Hilton. I think they're gonna give him some short routes, go on screens and just do his thing. I think that's what he's gonna be good at. He's playing on turf, so it's gonna help him out as well with his speed and the quickness. He's got Andrew Luck throwing him the ball. I mean, what more could you want? I love Paris Campbell's landing spot. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hopefully own him in a lot of leagues. Yeah, I, I, he's a guy I'm not sure what to think of because I wonder how the Colts are going to use him. I guess I, in the back of my head, I worry that he's going to be, um, j- just a, kind of a guy that they're going to move around and and just use as a a weapon in the offense, and he's not going to be consistent. But I. But I, I don't know. That's just my feeling, and I have no basis to believe that. What, where, where does the rest of the panel think about Paris Campbell? He would have been, I would have taken him above Marquise Brown. That's who I would have taken if it was my pick and somebody hadn't traded up to snipe me. <laughs> I, got, I, got skipped, I got skipped, and so I gave it to Tyler so that you'd take care of his children, John. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> John has no kids, so I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He's like 40. I know. They <laughs> have three, but they're not here, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's not fair. So uh, I, I like to pick a Campbell because I think he's a good value at this point in the draft. My, my concern is that he's more that uh, Curtis Samuel type of player with, with less carries in college. He's very similar to me in his what could be production on the Colts as Naheem Hines is. And Naheem Hines is a little bit faster, but not as good as the pass catcher overall. But if, unless Paris Campbell has some secret, like, sneaky deep ball receiving skills, um, I, I maybe, maybe, like, long-term, maybe long-term it works out well. But, I, you know, and I want to be, ple- like, pleasantly surprised by him. But in that offense and what they're doing and the players they have, uh, I think he's going to go earlier than this. I think he's going to be a later first-round pick. So I think at this point in time, he's a really good value. I just don't think I'm going to end up with a lot of him because of the, where he's going to go. If there's if there's one thing I I have actually learned, it's just believe in Chris Ballard. Like that dude is smart at drafting. He knows what fits what he wants. I'm I trust him. And if I had a choice of a GM, he'd be in the top three. No, just ahead. real Sorry. quick, I was gonna say I think Paris Campbell could. You know, he's a guy that if you like but you don't get him, I think he could be a guy that you could buy for cheaper potentially during year one, because I think with, with Hilton there and Funches coming in and Ebron already in place, I, I think he's a guy that, you know, kind of freakish as an athlete, but, but some room to grow as an actual NFL receiver. And so I, I think he's a guy that could end up, and, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe he, he splashes in year one, but I think he, he's the kind of guy that someone could take there in the, in the mid to late first, and he doesn't put up a lot of production in year one and, and could be a guy to, to buy on the cheap. Um, after a year, that's that's all. Sorry, Ryan. Yeah, no, that's like I'm coming off super negative on these picks, and I didn't mean to be. I think at the two hundred three, I would take Paris Campbell all day. I just think he slips as far, you know. 
it's a kind of exciting guy to get the 203 because the potential, the upside, is, you know, in the Colts offense, that's exciting. Um, okay, so we're going to speed things up because um, we're probably going to go another 15 minutes. The, we are all tired. It's been a long weekend. Uh, you know, pe- people have been, you know, staying up late, writing, doing podcasts. So, so we're going to speed this up. And if you if you got to jump off, you know, jump off. So, um, but I, I think – John Bosch, I told you Tyler's going to go. Thanks, Tyler, for coming on. It was this was yeah, fun. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Nice meeting everybody who I've not met. John, I will be seeing you in the next like month, battling in auctions with you. Fourteen minutes, bar tab opens. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Tyler. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Tyler. All See right, ya. so it's to me then. Yeah. All right, this is a this is an internal argument I've literally been having with myself all day. So this is a. This is a fantastic place that I have to make a pick. This is fun. <laughs> I do want a piece of the Cardinals offense here. All right. Oh, uh, God. I have not – oh, man. Colin Murray is off the board just as a heads up. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right. I have to pick one of them. So I'm going to go Isabella. And I'll, Isabella. I'll go with I'll go with the draft stock argument, even though I really want it to be Hawking Butler. But I'll I'll go with what the team said and I'll go with Andy Isabella. Oh man. I don't know. What do you guys think? Would you in between the two do you it, Isabella for sure. For me. I, I like Isabella a lot. Uh he's a guy I kind of debated earlier when I took Henderson. Yeah, I mean, I, I think right now I have Butler. I copped out and put them right next to each other on my rankings. Oh. <laughs> and I had Isabella. I had Isabella. I, I told myself if Butler was drafted on day three, I, I wasn't moving anybody else above Isabella. And then he goes on the first pick of day three. And I was like, come on. That's almost day two. I was like, Steve Collins didn't listen to trade offers for that pick until like 35 seconds before it was due. So. <laughs> So it was like he kind of could be a day, he kind of could be around three pick. Yeah. So it was, so I put him ahead because I think his upside, you know, is a little bit higher. But I mean, they took. I don't remember off the top of my head. Where was his, was Isabella at the end of round two, or did he sneak? Was it early round three? Did anyone have that exactly where was he was taken? Second round pick end thirty. Round. Okay, yeah. Okay, so I knew it was either late second or early in third. I mean, so they invested high draft capital, like. Cliff Kingsbury obviously has a significant plan for him. They obviously weren't expecting potentially Hakeem Butler to be there. So obviously they already showed their hand a little bit that Indy Isabella was significantly higher on their board most likely and for what they wanted and what they needed. And they wanted that vertical component that Isabella could offer, that rare speed. Butler can get vertical as well, just different style. So they kind of showed their hand a little bit. Now, does that mean Isabella is going to get more opportunities? Not sure. I mean, so I went with Butler, but it's a, it, to me, that's a coin flip. I think the name value and the name brand of Butler and in the fantasy community, I mean, there's some heavy hitters that use words like transcendent, generational, best receiver I've ever evaluated. So th- there's been some high talk of, of, of Butler. So I think Butler's ADP is going to be high, higher than, than Isabella. I think, they're, I think it's a coin flip, though, and more of like a personal, you know, what you maybe think about those guys uh, when, when push comes to shove. 
So we move on to the 205 and Will Greenwood. Oh, so I have one. Nice. Uh, it's just <laughs> My bad. Mysteriously traded back out of the first round. Man didn't even notice it. So it's, uh, it's also <laughs> know, know your leagues, everybody. Uh, so the, on my like, list that I made earlier, I, I think I'm actually going to pivot uh, just, just slightly here. And in Superflex at the 205, uh, I'm, I'm going to take, take Daniel Jones. Yeah, baby, Daniel Jones. Love it. I, have, uh, I moved Butler pretty far down after his draft capital. And I have uh, initially J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and Devin Singletary there. But I think I want to go – I just want to go safety here. And in Superflex, I'm going to pretend that these are the leagues that I'm in. And I'm, I'm not normally very quarterback, like, deep, more than three or four. And I think Daniel Jones has a great, like, at least a great like holding value there. And in this draft, I, I'm I'm kind of hedging bets and, and taking less risk. Yeah, all cutting aside, I think this is where he should go because I remember last year, even though Paul told us Josh Allen, you want to invest in him, a lot of us didn't, and he slipped really far in superflex drafts, and a lot of them. And you know, like we could be wrong about Daniel Jones, we just don't know. If, if you look at history, the draft capital spent on him, I think it's a great pick. I may be on an island here. And I don't think he's going to work out. But at the 205, a quarterback in a super flex league, come on. And, and even, if, even if we are right, even if the NFL is wrong and, and we're right, and he's Ryan Tannehill or Andy Dalton, that still has value in a super flex league. And, comp- and considering how much uncertainty there is in this draft and where we are in this draft and what prospects we're picking from, even if we're right and he's Ryan Tannehill or Andy Dalton, it's still good value. And what if the offset chance Dave Gettleman's right and Gil Brandt's right and he's, and he's some version of Peyton Manning or Eli Manning? Well, then it's the best pick, like, you know, in the Superflex league ever, basically. So, I mean, like, I think, it, I think it's definitely the appropriate value. And if he's at least worst case three, four years of Andy Dalton or Ryan Tannehill, I think that's good enough. And if the NFL's right and Gettleman's right and Shermer's right, well, then you hit a home run. I think the coolest thing about Daniel Jones, if you go to uh, player profiler, um, his best comparable is Davis Webb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, full man. circle, baby. It's full circle. Now, I think it's a great pick, Will. We talked about this before as well. I think this is a, you know, early second. You know, we're, we're getting to dart throw range. I mean, you know, there's some educated dart throws and some decent draft capital dart throws. But, I mean – if you're going to take a quarterback in Superflex, I mean, taking taking one that was, you know, picked in the, in the top six picks of the NFL draft is a is a decent bet, man. So, because I think you're going to see Drew Locke also probably go in this second round of Superflex drafts, and and I, I just think that talk, Trey, to be able to to be able to get uh, to be able to get uh, the, the draft capital of the sixth overall pick at this point in Superflex is is awesome. I like that Paul couldn't even say, and what if Gettleman is right? Without, <laughs> without his face just breaking into laughter at the bottom. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping he's right. I mean, there's only so much more losing I want to watch, but uh, I have my doubts. Yeah, and what, I mean, if that offensive line, they didn't really add anything to the draft. I know they made the, pick, they made the trade for what's his, what's his face from Cleveland. I mean, yeah. Uh, Eli could get hurt pretty easily. 
All right, let's keep moving along. We've got uh, about seven minutes left, roughly. If people could stay around. I know people have to leave. And seven picks to make. So let's do lightning round. Trey Barrett, I, I think, at the 206. I've kind of lost my place, but we'll say Trey's up. Yes, um, I am up. This is a tough call for me, um, but just in the sake of time, I'm, I'm going to take a guy that I think is going to have some upside long term, and um, that is J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. So at the at the 2-0, whatever I am right now, I'll take Arcega-Whiteside. That's the 206, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I, I think it's a solid pick. I, I think all these picks are going to be like, yeah, I can see that guy going in this range. <laughs> um, Paul with the 207, did, who, who are you going to go with here? Yeah, I'm going to go back to uh, we don't have to talk much about him because we already did really lengthy conversations about the tight ends. I'm going to take Irv Smith here. Uh, I'm a big fan of him. I think he's as talented as the other guys. And when they finally endlessly move on from Kyle Rudolph, I think Kirk Cousins uh, will really like having Irv Smith there to kind of compliment uh, Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. Obviously, we started in the past. He – utilizes the tight end a lot in Washington. And I think Irv Smith could be a pretty impactful tight end uh, on a Delaney Walker type style, but I think he's much more athletic uh, than that as well. Oh, okay. I, I think I'm up at the 208 and you know, I, I, I just can't do, I was thinking about uh, Butler, but I, I just, I don't think I can do it. Uh, and I'll save that for, for someone else. Lightning rounds, Ryan. Lightning rounds. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm going to do uh, Jay Sternberger, the, the tight end, Green Bay Packers. I, I think he's a guy that, that's that's interesting. I, I just like the landing spot at the at the you know late in the second round. I, I just kind of like his upside there. So Jay Sternberger is who I'm going to go with. And then the the two oh nine would be Kyle Richardson. What's up? I'm going to take Hakeem Butler just because I can't go through a rookie draft and not take one of my favorite players. <laughs> that's a great pick. just went before him. Kyle, how you not upset about this, dude? That's the a great pick. Guys, lightning rounds. Did I just miss getting him and Andy Isabella by one pick? <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> uh, so what am I, 209 now? It is me now, right? I think I'm yes. going after Kyle. 210, but it's you. Okay. Oof. Oh, man. I got uh, – jeez. Hard. <laughs> yeah. Hard. Uh, God, Drew Locke's probably the right call, but yeah. – I'll just say quickly, you know, like in the late second, I might try to trade back to get like a couple of third round picks here. Cause I think at this point, all these guys are, there's gonna be some third rounders. I like as much as these guys. I want, I want a wide receiver, but that is the strategy that I would love to do too. But since that's not an option, I'll just go ahead and suck it up and I'll be the person that takes the quarterback here. I'll take Drew Locke. I'm not thrilled about it, (laughs) but it feels like the right place to take you know, a quarterback that the NFL team invested in at least. Yeah, for sure. No, I think it's a smart pick. I like it. Uh, Will, 211? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go Devin Singletary. After looking at like uh, TJ Elton's contract that he signed, he has 500000 guaranteed over those two years. Um, hor- horrible contract, TJ. But, um, and with some older running backs, and with him having third-round draft capital – I'm actually kind of surprised. Like, I, I, it's not my favorite player ever, but where he, I mean, he went early in the third round. Uh, he went 310, so 74th pick overall to the Bills. So in that offense, you know, there's not like a, like a ton of upside, but I, at least I, I think 
But I'm gonna I'll hedge here again for draft capital and for for Devin Singletary. It's not like this late in the draft. I'm not taking my guys over what uh, I, I think more probability could happen with Devin. No, I, I like the pick, I, and I kind of overlooked him. I, I might have changed my pick had I realized he was still there, but that's okay. Um, should we crowdsource the 212? I think we've all had the same even number of picks. Anyone that we want to – let's say this is the war room and we have a team together. Who's going to pound the table for this pick at the 212? I don't think anybody's going to pound the table. <laughs> I think – I think I I think I would honestly at this at this range and it's Damian Harris. Um, I, I know that the, yeah. the Patriots spent a pick um, on in the first round on Sonny Michelle last year, but I, I think that that offense. I, I think you know that's an incredible. If if Michelle were to struggle with injuries, um, I think having da- and I think Damian Harris could have some value, um, a standalone value. So I you know give me. Uh, the backup running back that was taken in the third round in one of the best offenses in the league. And uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty content at the end of the second round to get a guy like that. Um, he, he's a guy that I think would, uh, would be a, a guy I'd, I'd, I'd love to jump up and grab at this point of a, of a rookie draft. I, love I, think, pick. I, think, I think it's like Justice Hill. Oh, we got a disagreement. No, not, not heavily. I, mean, I don't think there's anything like, <laughs> Like Damien Harris, I'd be like, oh yeah, that's a good pick. Like, yeah, I uh, I also think there's two wide receivers that I'd have in play too. Miles Brookins, who, who I would have. Is that one of them, or you got somebody else? No, I got two others. Uh, a little bit of draft capital built in, and two guys that I was just fans of before the draft. I I uh, think about Terry McLaurin, especially with the built-in connection to Dwayne Haskins. Uh, to me, McLaurin, I, I've comped him to a Golden Tate-type player in terms of his physicality and toughness for a smaller guy, but he's built up pretty well inside, outside, very much like Golden Tate when Golden Tate, I thought, was in Seattle and Notre Dame, not so much the Golden Tate now of the five-yard route variety. Um, and then uh, I like Deontay Johnson a lot before the draft even started. He was one of my sleepers. I thought it was going to be a day three sleeper. And then Pittsburgh drafts him early on, like, I think it was like the second or third pick in round three. And, I mean, they could lie. I mean, but I don't know why they would have went to the lengths that they did after they picked the pick in their announcement that they had a first-round grade on him. And if the Steelers do one thing right, it's, it's draft-wide receivers, and usually they get them in that, like, second or third-round range or sometimes even further back and develop them. I, I really like Deontay Johnson a lot. Maybe they're – I like James Washington last year, but maybe they've already soured on him a little bit. Or maybe they just want the need for three of them. But I like I like Johnson a lot. The athleticism, the speed. I think he's a good route runner, inside outside versatility. And now he's got draft capital to a team that really really develops wide receivers well uh, for the most part. Holy Toledo! I can't believe you took him. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Uh, <laughs> it's getting late. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I, I think we I think we need to to end the show here. Any any final thoughts? This was our exercise through the uh, Superflex rookie mock draft. Some thoughts. There's all kinds of uh, you know we didn't even get to how does this draft impact veterans, veterans winners or losers. There's so much to talk about, but we have so much time to talk about it. Unless you have a rookie draft, you know now, or you have a you know decisions to make on cuts. But um, any 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 final thoughts? Quickly, let's let's just anyone that wants to shout anything out. Thirty seconds or less. Final takeaways. Anybody? I mean. 
I love Calvin Harmon, but after doing this exercise, I, I don't see how he sneaks into the second round. I mean, I, I guess agree. maybe there's a couple picks at the end that maybe it could be him, but there's still Miles Boykin. There's still some other running backs. Uh, maybe if it's not super flex, he can sneak in if the quarterbacks get pushed down the board. I know I have him after Miles Boykin. Those are my next two wide receivers. But it, I love the player, but that is, this is Equinemia St. Brown in terms of the, the, the pre-draft, the post-draft, how much it swung. Which yeah. I think is, I think brings up a great point of the winners. I feel like of this the draft class this year, Green Bay wide receivers, uh, the New Orleans wide receivers overall, maybe even like Simi Cobbs, who, who ended up being picked up off the practice squad. To them, there'd be some very interesting developments on that team. Uh, you know, Green Bay running backs, the Colts running backs, at least for this season. It, I think this draft is very interesting for places you play, players who are at risk uh, ended up ended up being pretty safe. I think uh, looking at not necessarily the, the the skill position players that were drafted, but looking at like the offensive linemen that were drafted, uh, the Bengals uh, with their pick. I know a lot of people thought they might go defense and probably would have if Devin Bush hadn't been taken off the table there. But I think them helping out the offensive line is a huge uh, is a huge help for Joe Mixon. I'm curious about. I know we talked super flex here, but. I'm curious how quickly somebody would take Kyler Murray in a single quarterback. Does anybody have any spot where – how would you take him at the end of the first, beginning of the second, with the expectation that, man, if he hits, look at what's happened in the past couple of uh, – in the past couple of NFL drafts, what's going on with the quarterbacks that are hitting. I think John. recency bias with Patrick Mahomes is going to get people to say, oh, I'm going I'm to invest in Kyler Murray super early. Yeah, I think he ends up going round one just because of what we basically talked about. There's so much uncertainty. Like, I could see somebody even saying, you know, A.J. Brown or Kyler Murray. A.J. Brown might just be safe, and if people think that Corey Davis is the, the guy there and now he's going to be a secondary guy, somebody might say, I'm going to take a shot on Kyler Murray being a top five or top four, you know, dynasty quarterback in the future. So I think with all the uncertainty and so few running backs locked into round one, I'd actually be surprised if Murray doesn't go in round one, I think, now. Yeah, I totally agree. It's definitely the thought that crossed my mind um, where I have those one QB leagues, late first, early seconds. You know, where do I take Keller Murray? Where do I take him? Great point, John. Uh, really great point. And, and I think with that, we're all getting tired. It's been a long weekend. We, we still need to rub our heads around what we're going to do in our dynasty leagues and our rookie drafts. Hopefully this conversation has helped you and not confused you even more. <laughs> Um, but I want to thank everyone that joined us. Tyler Gunther is not here. John Bosch, Paul Pertichese, Kyle Richardson. Uh, my partners in crime, Trey Barrett, Will Greenwood. I'm Ryan Livergood. And we are the Fantasy Joes. Good luck, everybody. If your draft's starting, good luck. Thanks for having me. Thanks thank for being you. here, guys. Thanks, Thanks guys. for coming on. Have a good night.